Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. So, uh, Sergio, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you. If you can, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into uh, being very dad-focused. Cool. Thanks for having me, Adam. So, my name is Sergio Altamari. I'm based out of Philadelphia, uh, 47 years old, got a little girl. She's about to be six on March 11th. Um, I'm a uh, reborn, recareered over and over again. Uh, I spent 22 years working for the Federal Reserve, had a, a day job, uh, launched a company in the meantime. Uh, we were in self-storage syndication, moving more and more towards larger private equity. Um, my wife, daughter, and I are are very close and tight, as as you might expect. And so my whole objective in life is to find that right amount of balance between creating uh, legacy wealth and and doing what I enjoy, which is now building a company and spending as much time with uh, with my family while also doing my best to. Uh, create the, a, a, or at least allow for my child to be, you know, develop her own way and kind of learn from my mistakes, um, you know, things that I wish that my parents did or didn't do. And, you know, along the way, just enjoy the ride and the journey. So tell me what involvement looks like in with you and your family and your kids. Like, how do, how do you get them involved in, uh, how do you get Stella involved in, uh, in life, you know, how, how are you guys engaging on a day-to-day basis now that you're basically working from home and you're done with 22 years of the Fed? Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's it's really the, the, the number one thing that I work on um, constantly is self-awareness and being intentional. And it's like you talk about you talk about what other parents that that do where you know they're just got the whole rack of ribs is they're following a just a pattern and they're not even aware of it and so and it's very easy to do that i mean we we, we you know the technology has been it's been huge part of losing we're being disconnected from reality and, and, and life. And so everybody, most people kind of operate living, living by a script. So it starts for me, it starts with self-awareness and being intentional. Now, is it perfect? No, but there's a, you know, if you look at the opposite extremes and, and one is being, you know, worse, bad habits, right? Constantly being on your phone and 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 kind of giving your, you know, the, the typical parent, giving your kid lip service while they're not even paying attention, not realizing the actual impact that that alone is having with a child, keenly aware that mom or dad is not paying attention. 
to the opposite, being fully engaged, fully present. Um, so it starts with that. It, it, it starts with being aware. Um, it starts with, and, and for me, it's about being intentional and giving 100% um, is a perfect no, giving 100% in whatever I am doing or, or trying to. Now, now if, I'll be perfectly honest in saying if, if we're watching a cartoon that Stella really enjoys and I've got no interest in, then, then you're going to see my attention get pulled into, you know, work or whatever. But I try to balance that by being as intentional as possible, as often as possible when we're together. And it also goes back to, and, and a big part of this conversation is, um, and, and being a, a, a strong parent is, it can't be understated of leading by example. Kids do what you're doing, not what you say. And that I'm very, very much aware of that. So when I see my, when I see Stella acting in a way that I look and say, I do not approve, it's pretty obvious where that came from. She's mirroring me. She's mirroring my wife. If it's something that's outside of the house, then it's my job to kind of course correct that. But it also comes down to how my relationship with Corinne and my wife, that is, you talk about framework, right? That is the framework of, and, and beyond that, how I show up at work, how I show up at church, how I show up with relationships, that's what I'm instilling. So it's not about, let me lecture you on X, Y, and Z. Let me lead by example. That is very, very difficult. Most people can't get that part right. And that to me is very motivating. Um, I'll give you an example. I, I, I haven't had a, a, a drink in um, since August of 21 now. And and a big part of that was, I mean, I, you know, it starts with my own ADD and my own issues and trying to kind of be as balanced as possible. But I also, um, you know, was aware that my dad was um, probably more of a functional alcoholic, like a lot of people are, that, that oh, I only have one or two drinks. And I, I know a lot of these people that say that. But then when I'm with them, it's four or five. It's not one or two, right? So you tell yourself it's one or two, and then you kind of like veer off kilter. But so aside, I mean, I I, I I like to tie areas of life that I'm correcting to a greater purpose. So for that, the easiest thing to do is I don't want my daughter growing up remembering me with a glass of wine or whatever in my hand. I don't want that to be her memory. So that makes that purpose easier. And then and and that rings true for a lot of my life. I mean, there was a time where my dad, my my daughter said, Daddy, why do you have a fat belly? And I'm like, whoa, you know, and not that I was huge, but I had kind of like the beer gut thing going. And that was enough to to make a change. So yeah. the part of me is is knowing that when she the time that we have now is very important to her memories and how she reflects back later on in life. So what we're doing at any given moment is hugely important. You know, and where I don't remember where I read or heard this, but is 
It's about creating those magical moments, right? That's what sticks out in your head. Some of the things that I remember as a kid aren't very pleasant. <laughs> um, so the idea is like, how do I create more and more, more of those dominating pleasant thoughts? So when she's later in life that she's not, you know, she's in her 20s, it's like, holy shit, she's got psychological issues as opposed to, no, she's just a happy person. So I mean, that was probably a long-winded way of answering that, but um I don't even remember the question, but uh, <laughs> no, that's perfect. So everybody, there's there's always the roles to be defined. Um, so for us, it's it's continuous evolution, and you know, finding again, what are we passionate about? What do we like doing? What we don't like doing? What are we doing? All right. So then, going to the conversations, um, you know, in our business meeting, I mean, the, the intentionality. What what that what that looks like is is a balance of if there's something important or something that we should talk about, then, then we talk about it on the ride. If there's a learning moment, then we turn it into a learning moment. So Stella, we have this problem with XYZ team member or this property, whatever, and turn it into education. It's, it's, homeschooling if you will through life mm -hmm. so we can turn it into an educational experience when we pick up stella stella how was your day and it's not just a ask a question because i think i'm supposed to ask that question i turn down the radio right we allow her you know she speaks we ask probing questions so we are present in the conversation we're having a ride in the morning it's a beautiful day we're observing you know we're in amish country and there's a lot of farms and everything hey stella check this out check that out and then we turn it into learning moments um how are you feeling how are you doing mommy doesn't feel well daddy doesn't feel well and just it's just what we're what we're establishing is a structure of communication openness sharing uh it goes from anything what do you plan on doing at school today uh, and just probing probing questions uh, um uh, a book that i read and uh, jamie ruber originally uh, uh, told me about it was how to talk so your kids will listen how to listen so your kids will talk and it's just communication skills and and so it's it's about communication and how do we and being aware and intentional in any given moment um communicating uh understanding reflecting upon our feelings if i'm in a bad mood you're not going to hear much out of me if i'm in a deep state of thought thinking through a problem or issue when i'm driving stella to school by herself it's going to be pretty quiet uh, making sure that she's and she's okay with that so it's not we're not trying to be overbearing parents you don't have to speak every moment of a car ride it's perfectly okay to be quiet so it's it's being authentic um intentional learning moments being mindful of what we're saying how we're talking about it. one thing that drives me nuts are parents that talk in front of their kids as if their kids aren't there mm -hmm. um they, they and the kids are like looking at the parents you're you're it's just asinine. The kid is hearing you. The kid is old enough to understand what you're saying. So you're talking as if they don't know. And then, you know, inevitably, Stella will ask a question and you say, okay, well, she's asking a, a question of something that she's curious. And like, where did you hear that from? What, well, you know, what makes you interested in that? And, and so you, you, you know, they're listening. 
they're listening and they're learning. And so whatever you're feeding them, that's that's how they're being cultivated. So that's kind of there's no magic to it. It's just awareness, communication, and and intentionality. Oh, the, answer, the, answer the, right the, the answer to that why is is even more important. And I was always a curious kid, and, and even to this day, I'm, I'm very well known as asking a lot of questions because that's how you, that's how we learn. Yep. But when kids and, and kids, their their brain is expanding, they're a sponge, they want to learn. And if you yeah. give them garbage answers, you're feeding them with garbage. So to say, Daddy, why is the tree green? And it's not a really probing, let's understand why that tree is green. And you just say, because God says so. Well, guess what? You didn't you didn't teach anything in that moment. Yeah. You just said, kid, you're an idiot, and I'm just going to give you an answer. That's that's not really helpful. But if you start to go into, if you don't know the answer, then you just say, well, you know, Estella, I don't know the answer. But when we go home, let's go figure it out. Let's research yep. it. And it turns into a, a moment of not only answering the question why trees are green, but the critical thinking, the research, and everything else. What I am mindful of is making sure that I am dedicating as much as time as possible for family. And again, that goes back to being intentional about having dinner together, sitting down at the dinner table. Is it five, seven days a week? No. Um, but it's it's balanced enough where I don't see it as a problem. So it's constant constant evaluation and probing how are we doing uh we try to check in as much as possible but i i give you know like i said i'm up three four in the morning and my brain is non-stop um come four or five o'clock i've got i don't have a whole lot left to give from an intellectual work productivity perspective and um so then it's about um, not to sound corny but it's about giving my heart to family. Let's let's be intentional there and, and going into by day, my brain has to crank through work. And, and there's a physical component to that. When I'm, you know, when I'm through my work day, and I try to not be that way every single day. Dave Aheimer is my guest today. Dave and I are in an accountability pod together and a group together. And he is another, of course, entrepreneur and dad. So I wanted to bring him on. So Dave, if you can uh, give a quick introduction about yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do as a dad and an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's fantastic. So uh, my name is Dave Aheimer. I am a dad, an entrepreneur, a member of GoBundance, a husband and a willing participant in an amazing family who has absolutely saved me from myself. So I've been an entrepreneur longer than I've been a dad. And when my little guy came along, I remember having a very distinct moment of clarity at an entrepreneur's organization event in Ohio, right outside of Cleveland, where I had to make a decision about redefining my win. And whether or not my win would be my business or my newly born son who was in crisis and in distress. And so it was an absolutely life-changing moment for me to make the decision to make my son and my family my win. 
Awesome. Uh, so it sounds like then you're at least in that beginning part, entrepreneur path kind of changed once you had a kid. Is that accurate? Tremendous. Yeah, it's absolutely correct. So I had been an entrepreneur for several years, uh, CEO of a bootstrap startup that went from zero to 100 miles an hour basically overnight. And, uh, you know, I was a multi million dollar in that retail business. Little Jonathan came along as my happy accidental miracle. He was not intended, but uh, after he came along, his mom had some real problems and she was uh, unable to provide a stable lifestyle for the child. And so a messy and long story involving courts and police and all of the stuff that's so hard to go through and deal with. I was given this advice, hold on to that little boy and don't let go. And it was, you know, many times that I did want to give up because it was very distracting for my business and it was very distracting for my life. But you know, I had that little guy in, in my arms and in my life and no idea how to take care of him and no idea how to move on. And for me, what I saw was little Dave, right? So I had little Dave in my arms and I recognized that, you know, my background and how I was raised and brought up, we had everything we need, but we didn't necessarily have all of the emotional content, yeah. right? For good and healthy development. And like, I saw myself in that little guy and you know, maybe this was me trying to save me and maybe that still is, but you know, how it worked out in the end is he's the one who's saving me. So awesome. thank God for the opportunity. But to anybody out there who's struggling with a similar situation, I will give the same advice that I was given is you show up and you hold on, you do your job. If that means putting up with weird visitation with, you know, third party psychologist for supervised presentation, then you do that. I was at Tahoe and I heard Dr. Kelly talking about, you know, every, every one of us is just waiting on a love letter. And at the end of the day, we have to write that love letter to ourselves and we have to take care of ourselves. And I got to write that love letter to myself through my actions of taking care of Jonathan and making my family the most important thing that it could possibly be for my life. And they have blossomed as a result. And I have blossomed as a result. And they saved me. I did the work. They saved me. Figure. Let's go right. figure. What is it that you're doing with your previous experiences and thoughts on trying to train your kids in that thought process, in having those whys, in having that understanding that they control their future? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, we do a lot of clear discussion around what the values of the family are, mm -hmm. right? And we recognize that in teachable moments with, with our son and, and with both of our children, that it's a lot easier with babies because it's, you know, they cry and they're requesting attention and attachment, right? And then you respond by taking care of them, feeding them, cleaning them, patting them and calming them. And then they bond, right? And so like to nurture and encourage that bonding cycle, that attachment cycle with Jonathan is when he's making uh, these little bids for attention on a daily basis that I'm aware that my son is making a bid for attention with me and that I'm responding appropriately and positively. And so one of my goals on my one sheet is to play when I'm asked, right? When he asks me to play, it's not, oh, I'm busy or I've got something else going on. It's like, I recognize those other things are not as important as this moment. He's making a bid for attention and I want to bond with him. I want to encourage that. And so to answer your question shortly, I'm modeling the appropriate behavior with him at a young age that I know will provide him satisfaction and fulfillment in his relationships and roles in the future. And so like, that's, you know, 
breaking an unhealthy cycle and building a healthy cycle generationally and not like sharing generational trauma to like be very, very cognizant of his needs and that those needs are being met. That doesn't mean letting him get away with anything. And it certainly doesn't mean buying him a bunch of crap he doesn't need. In our family, you get one gift. If it's your birthday or if it's Christmas, you know, well, off. he could have a lot of different gifts and he does have a lot of different toys, but this is from my wife. This is what who loves is who cares. And so you show that care through affection and you show that care through bonding and time together. Show that care through trips. To Disney, yay. I'd much rather go on a trip than give 15 gifts much about next month, you know? And they will absolutely not remember the gift they got when they were seven years old, but they will remember the time that we got to go home. Dude, it's a hard thing to do. It's the way that love and affection was shown in my family. And it's yeah. like gifts and acts of service. Like those are my love languages. And so, you know, I, I go on a trip and I'm bringing home a toy. And my wife is like, again, with the toys, why were the toys? And I'm like, it didn't occur to me, but I, I attach, you know, like love and affection with the act of gift giving. And like, just understanding that about myself, it helps me to move away from that behavior and establish a different behavior around the gifts. And my wife also encourages his development within our spiritual group. And, you know, we go to our group, um, whatever it might be for every individual out there. If you have that to lean into that focus and have those conversations, the way that I have that conversation with an adult. And he has a surprising capacity to communicate on an adult level. Now I know he's seven and he doesn't necessarily get abstract reasoning and thinking the way that we do, but treating him like an adult, providing him with choices. And you can choose to go to your bed and brush your teeth on your way, or I can pick you up and carry you up the stairs to your bed. What do you prefer? And either way, we're going to bed, but I'm not yelling at him and telling him, oh, you better go do this or else. It's no, you have a choice. And, and every one of those little choices that he has the opportunity to make, he gets to understand the outcome and accept responsibility for those outcomes and understand what consequences are, which are tough given kids consequences because it, you know, if I'm going to put somebody in prison, then guess what? I have to be the jailer and now I'm in prison too. Right. Yeah. And that's not fun yeah. for anybody. That's a difficult road to go down. So it's really a fine balance. Um, and I'm not saying I get it right all the time. I'm sure I screw up no, 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 no. and I'll be happy to, you know, sit in a therapy session with my son later on and we can talk about how I screwed <laughs> up, take responsibility for it because I am what I am. And I'm driven toward it. He's like, why? Why did you was always with the business stuff, dad? Why? What core values? What do I care about? core? Okay. Maybe I should have waited on the core values too. You were at least 10 instead of getting at you at seven. John, I want you to do a quick introduction of yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what kind of business stuff you're in, and uh, tell me about your family as well. Well, thanks for having me. So my name is John, originally from New Jersey, dad of Two kids, a six-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy, husband to my wife, Sana's, and we live in South Florida now by way of Los Angeles. So we lived in Los Angeles for about five years and a fur dad too. I got a little dog named Wilbur. So family of five. I'm involved in real estate. I still have a W-2 in the data world. So I'm a techie and, you know, doing my best to balance everything. I heard some famous like actor or model that like, that's what their parents did, or maybe a singer um wh whatever it was it was somebody in the entertainment field because i don't want my kids to be a mooch right i don't want my kids yeah. to be 28 years old can't handle life they're unemployable like i don't want that for my kids um but if they have a dream that they are super passionate about that they want to pursue i don't want to hinder them so that they resent me to think that they never had the opportunity to pursue that 
do. So I want to give them that ability. Um, but I also don't want to be a pushover and just like support my kids. And to be honest, I, I love the analogy of golf, right? Because like, I don't want my little boy to play football. Um, you know, I played peewee football and it's, you know, I got hurt. It's a, football's a violent sport. You know, yeah. I played a lot of basketball my entire life. And I think that I've had a lot of great relationships out of that. Um, so obviously I'm going to push my kids towards basketball, you know, but uh, you know, I think that the physical lifespan of an athlete, right. Um, you know, I think the average NFL player is only in the NFL for like four or five years. Right. And then once they get out, their body just hurts, right. Because it's yeah. just put a wear and tear on your body. So that, you know, but golfers, you know, there's a senior PGA tour, right. Cause yeah. you can do it into your sixties. So, you know, tennis, golf, these are great. I mean, those are non-contact sports, but you know, you get the same scholarship, you know? Yeah. If not, not better because you have a better chance because less people are doing it. So. Yeah. So that's a great analogy. You know, I can steer them the way that I want to, but at the end of the day, if my little boy's like, I'm super passionate about football and mm -hmm. this is what I want to do. I'll be like, all right, dude, this is what you want to do. Let's do it. You know, and I will be his biggest fan on the sidelines uh, watching him play football. That's awesome. I think I recall you telling me that you drop your kids off at school, pick them up from school and all that. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very active. Uh, you know, I get them ready for school in the morning, pack the lunches. I take them to school. You know, my wife will pick them up, but I'm the one that's dropping off. We have a pretty good system as far as that goes. So it's funny, the school that my daughter goes to uh, backs up to our neighborhood and it's too far to walk in like South Florida, 80 degree heat in the morning, but it's too close to do the drop off line. So I got a golf cart. I'm a golf cart dad. So I use it every morning, drop the kids off. Uh, it's great. And to be honest, the kids love the golf cart because there's a couple places. There's a coffee shop close by, like a Starbucks, and there's also an ice cream shop. So they're like, you know, let's go in the golf cart. Let's go get some ice cream. It's like, so it's nice, you know, and it's turned into like this family event to go on the golf carts. That's all. But yeah, I'm very active in the mornings. I'm dropping them off. It's funny because like if there's an issue at my kids' daycare, like they call me first, which I, I always found that funny. But yeah, they know me well. They just buzz me in. You know, everyone knows everyone by name there. So yeah. Yeah. There's a give and take, right? There's a give and take as far as if I'm spending more time with my kids, what am I spending less time on? If I'm spending more time with work, what am I spending less time on? It always changes, right? And I feel like I prioritize my kids first, right? If I have work to do and my kid needs me and by needs me, I mean like, hey, dad, I want to show you something. You know, I will pick my kid. I feel like that gets first priority. And then probably I think the the one that I, that I want to throw in is that I've been my own worst critic, you know, and I am hard on myself, you know, where I'm like, man, like I got to do better at this. I got to, you know, I've realized it, that you don't realize it as a kid, but parents are just out there trying to do their best. You know, I hope they're doing that. They're trying to do their best, but you know, as long as the effort's there, um, I feel like my kids forgive me. Like if they know that I'm really trying, you know, um, and if I fall short, like my little girl, she forgives me. She's like, well, no, daddy, I know, I know you wanted to do this. I'm like, oh, cool. Like that's, yeah. it's cool that she, she acknowledges the effort, right? So I feel like as long as, and I'll keep this on myself, that as long as I keep doing my best and I keep trying and I keep, you know fighting for, you know, spending time with my kids and doing the best that I can, I think I'll be fine. And I think that that goes for everybody. As long as, you know, we're going to make mistakes. You just hope that those mistakes aren't permanent. <laughs>
Welcome to the podcast today. I have a, a fantastic friend, uh, business partner, GoBundance partner, man of many talents, Aaron Velke. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell me about a bit about yourself and uh, let's let's hear about who Aaron Velke is, what you do for business, about your family, et cetera. I've got a company called Get Out of Your Own Way. Our coaching program is for entrepreneurs that want to level up their mindset, which trickles down into their behavior, their patterns, their values, and the way they live their lifestyle. We also work with companies that are ready to up-level their leaders and ready to up-level their, their culture. I'm a real estate investor. I'm about a year into being a dad, 10 months in two days into being a dad. I was a soccer coach and a personal trainer for many, many years, over a decade. I published a book on that called Let Her Play in 2020. I've done apartment management. I was a painter for about two years. I like to write. I produce a lot on social media. I like to speak and share across the US. And, and uh, at heart, I'm a traveler that loves to wander the world and take in culture and learn about the way that, that people are. I'm fascinated by people and I've now made that my passion and my my venture. That's awesome. In my opinion, after about 12 years coaching kids and, and watching what happens in sports and, and with parents and with my own journey, building, trying to build investment portfolios and companies and missions, you got to let people fail. You got to let people get hurt. And not like you want to put bumpers on the lane so that the, those things don't happen too far out of bounds. But, you know, I, I've learned that the thing that changed me and the thing that changes most people is abject failure. Mm-hmm. You have to be okay with abject failure. And I, I really want to instill in Emerson that failure is an indicator of growth, not an indication of your value. And that's a, that's a lesson I'm not, I mean, he's 10 months old, so not there yet. <laughs> but that, that process is happening now, nonetheless, yeah. with him learning how to walk, right? He's, yeah. He can't walk yet. But that's how he's going to learn to walk. And I think yeah, we, we are fast to take that away, right? Like, well, I don't want them to suffer like I did. Like that, it's a different kind of suffering, but it is equally mm-hmm. as important. We have to be mindful that most of our structure around kids is the opposite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the reward system in school, in education, mm-hmm. in uh, carefully, but it can even be in sports. Yeah. is a feedback loop for when you get it right, you get a cookie, right? You get an A, you get a cookie, you get a good grade, you get a cookie, you pass tests, get a cookie, you score goals, you get a cookie. Sort of creating that then makes failure the opposite of oh, yeah. that. And, you know, we, we've got to be mindful as, as shepherds for them to, to give them cookies when they fail too. I spent about 12 years coaching high-level girls soccer. So at club level, there were... A, a lot of different demands on families. It was a lot of travel. Games were anywhere from, you know, a home game was 20 minutes away, but uh, an away game might be an hour, might be two, sometimes even more. Tournaments were all over the coast. We had tournaments that we flew to and played. We we flew out to Vegas for a couple tournaments. The, the expense of being in a club level was certainly high. It required not just the club expense and, and me as a coach, but it required driving and gear and time and energy and just just a big demand on the family. So I was in an environment where there were a lot of expectations. And that was the first thing that I learned was that the deficit and the the damage that most kids experience from something as beautiful as sports 
comes from expectations. And what I watched over and over and over were players that played for their parents, not because they loved the game. And so one of the biggest lessons I am certainly mindful of is that the life that I might want for Emerson is not his life. It doesn't need to be his life. I have no right to that. Now, mm-hmm. am I responsible for supporting him and nurturing him and helping him explore and providing my insight and guidance? Absolutely. But his choices are his. And ownership of that is really important to me because I, I watch players come to training and I would be like, what's going on? Like, And they would tell me, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't even want to play sport anymore. Mm. And how do you motivate a player? How do you give someone the, the, the things that sports can provide, the lessons, the self-reflection, the introspection, the, the discipline, all of that? How do you offer that when they don't want to be there? So that, that's definitely one. I think another interesting part of, of my experience is, is that most of what my players wanted from me was different from what I thought they wanted from me. Mm-hmm. And that just presented an interesting dichotomy of what do my players want and need and can I ask them and not make the assumption? So I learned to ask more questions of especially older players. I learned to ask more questions than to provide more insight. And you know, as a coach, I'm there to to set up these training arenas where we're we're building tactical awareness, we're developing a skill, we're we're like honing and working towards mastery of something. But like on the way there, we we have to know the right feedback loops. And what questions to ask? One of the feedback loops that inherently got really jacked up, I would sit parents down at the beginning of the season and say, if we go 500, that's a good season. And they're like, what? 500? We, dude, we want to go undefeated, bro. We want to hold up the title. I'm like, you want to hold up the title. You want to hold the, the, the crown and say that your daughter did this. And that's the mistake. This isn't about you. You invested in your daughter's future, her psyche, her confidence her skills, her self-mastery. You didn't invest in a trophy, man. That's a, those days are gone for you. Don't live vicariously through her. 500 is a good season because that means we won some, we lost some. We win, we build our confidence, but winning will not teach you. Losing will expose your weaknesses. Then we go back, we repeat the cycle, and we try to win and reinforce the lesson. But you need both. If we, if we win all of our games, we're either sandbagging or we're in the wrong league, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. And so... That that like feedback loop started to play in with skills and with with development. I am mindful now as a parent that my job is to to create environments where he can practice and train and fail and lose and do all these things. But if I'm not charting the course, maybe I should shut up and ask, "Do you like this?" And and yeah. I think those what I ended up being for for these players, I, I would coach them from sometimes ten all the way to college. Sometimes I started at 12, 13 and take them to college, but many of them didn't play in college or they played club in college. So during that journey, I was like older brother, counselor, coach, sometimes mm-hmm. stepdad, sometimes like uh, therapist. Like I, I was all these things. And I think the difference was sometimes I would listen more than I would talk. And I mean, I could talk. So <laughs> to be able to sit down with them and just, you know, hear what they are going through, talk to them about what they're experiencing really taught me a lot. I dealt with suicide. I dealt with anorexia and eating disorders. I dealt with depression. I dealt with bullying at school. I dealt with isolation. I dealt with the death of a parent. Like these were not things that I signed up for. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask for that. I asked to like, come teach my favorite game. And yet 
the gift that I got was tremendous perspective of what these young women were experiencing on their journey to adulthood. And now being able to look back at that and, and chronicled all the way through Let Her Play is like this, this tremendous softness and emotional dexterity that they, they taught me. I didn't, I didn't teach them. They, they taught me this, mm-hmm. that if I wanted to show up for them, then I had to be willing to hear them and like listen to them and truly see them. And I, I, tr- I really believe that most of us are so focused on what we need to get them or where we need to get them or how we need to get them there. They're like, we missed the whole fucking ship. We, they may never even want to go there. Yeah. And that has really carved out how I think about being a parent. The more I coach, the better I get at coaching. So every time that the next person falls in line and says like, hey, I really want change in my life, I'm better than the last time that I said yes. So that's amazing. But the other part is that the the journey through coaching in business as a business is that there has to be much more of a tangibility than anything else. So what that's taught me as a parent is that you know if I'm building a business where there's a demand on me, there's pressure on me to to create tangibility and outcomes for entrepreneurs that are playing at a very high level, then I have to really take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And if I want to model pursuing my dream to my young son, then I have to really care for more than just myself. I have to care for a lot of people. There are a lot of people in my care. And I choose the word customer or sorry, client over customer. Client means in care of. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I'm in their care of. I, I take care of them. I show up for them in their hardest moment, their most broken moment, and provide an ear, an insight, uh, a wisdom, an opportunity to reframe. And if I'm going to coach you on your mindset, making sure your values are at the forefront of your life, making sure that the person that you're becoming is the person you want to become, and that's the transformation that I can offer people, if I'm going to commit to that, I have to be really good. I have to be really good all the time. I have to be on many, many, many hours of the day. So my stamina has to be good. I have to take care of myself. I have to mind my health, my mental health, my fitness, which is a great model for my kid. Am I perfect? No, far from it. I want him to see my progression. I want him to see my hard work, but also all the things that go into operating at a really high level. The most dramatic change that this has presented is the utility of my time. I was rather carefree with my time before. Not to where I was, I'm selfish now, but I could choose things that didn't necessarily need to have tactility or or value because I, I had an abundance of it. And now I'm like, well, okay, I want to start, I might start my morning routine off, but I want to create a little bit of time in the morning to spend with him. And I want to create some time in the evening to spend with him. And if I need to go back to work in the evening after he goes down, that's fine. But I'm hyper mindful and vi- vigilant about my time now because there are these, these windows where even just an hour with him on either side of my day, that's what he needs right now. Just presence in, in like an hour, half an hour, whatever it is, but I'm there. And what I worry about most in entrepreneurship is that we, we play the short game, not the long game. Mm-hmm. And we forget why we started. So I have to be mindful because that's the message I'm, t- I'm doling out all the time. So my world now, thankfully, is is like a really cool tennis match of making sure that values are the forefront of your living, making sure that you're living the way that you want, your future self is aligned with your current actions. Like that, that's my day to day. And it's the test that I have with him is to make sure that I'm living the way that I'm talking about living to everyone else. Sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I get it really wrong. 
but I'm working on that daily and working in it daily. So to me, there's a really cool congruence between who I am in business and who I am as a parent. I want to show him these things that dude, I, I've got, I'm so excited about where things are going because now I've got like these tools, these frameworks that, that help people get clear on where they want to go, what they want to invest in, what business do they want to launch, what, what kind of lifestyle do they want to lead? I, I, that's what I do for a living. I help people get clear on that. Or I come into the company and help them get clear on the company, the culture, the leaders, the mm-hmm. leadership. And to be able to offer that to him in discussion is going to be something I, I'm so proud of at some point. And, and I'm proud of that's my life now. It is also pulling out of me an interesting challenge where I struggle the most is where's the gap between living my dream? Mm-hmm. Because that's important to show him is that his dad will chase his dream. Because at some point he will question that. If I tell him to go chase his dream, he will ask me, are you? And I want to be able to say like, without any hesitation, like I have been doing that since I was 27 years old. That is my entire path and mission. And that, that dream does not just involve the betterment of me and us. It involves the betterment of the many, many, many people that I'm lucky enough to call clients. The other thing that it summons out is this idea of a, a brand new kind of capitalism that I'm excited for him to come into. He's going to evolve into a world where he likely will never touch cash. He will meet more people online than offline, and he will likely not need the kind of education in order to get the things done that I needed. It's We're much faster. Everything's advancing so fast. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, his weaponry in that time period is going to be creativity, service, and authenticity. And those three things can be fostered along the way, but very differently than they ever have been. So I think those three are are the chemical makeup of what success is going to look like. And for me to foster that requires me to live into that. So it, mm. it is brightening up these elements of me in such an awesome way. Can I chase my dream in the service of others and the betterment of my family? And can I live into these, these elements of creativity, authenticity, and service in everything that I do. And what a world he will adopt. If, if you can make money doing something that you love, that makes the world better, and that you're really good at, dude, you win. You win. Everything. I've already won. Yeah. And if I can consistently get better, if I can fail through it, I'm excited for who he believes he can become. And that's a big commitment for me. But that is a commitment that I believe is probably the most worthwhile I'll ever make. He's got to be able to handle the complexities of emotions mm. in a world that is becoming more and more destabilized around that conversation. What's the answer versus what's the process? And I'm a big, you know, get the process right. You always get the result that you want kind of guy anyway. With kids though, and with in particular like teens, w- one of the lessons that, that they regularly instilled in me was just, just tell us. And that vulnerability really worked well. I, I also think that they know way more. What, however old your kids are, they know way more than you think they know. Yeah, for sure. They're just smart. They're intuitive. And if you do a good job of not letting the world suppress that intuition and their their magic, their creativity, their uninhibited joy, their passion, their like desire to be social and share, they're already there. It's the world that sort of like pinches that. So I, that's just a supporting story, man. I, I really think that more of us could could do more. And I, I will have to mind this now, especially that we could do a better job of saying, hey, I'm having a really hard time. Hey, I had a really bad day. Hey, I had a 
a meeting that went poorly and rather than just kind of move on, I'm, I'm stuck in that moment. Yep. That alone will teach your kids emotional intelligence real fast. We got Frank Small and a good friend of mine and also uh, as with a couple of the previous folks you guys have heard, a GoBundance uh, member as well. So Frank, if you can explain a little bit about who you are, um, uh, your background, both uh, uh, business and as a dad, um, and then we'll uh, kind of just keep the conversation rolling from there. Thanks for having me. Um, this is my first podcast. I've got a wife and two kids and an eight-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. I live at near Annapolis, Maryland. The actual name of the town I live in is Davidsonville. My my business is in in Crofton, Maryland, and um, so I I run a, a few businesses uh, here in this area. One is a, a manufacturer's rep firm that sells commercial industrial heating equipment. Another one is uh, that one's called United Energy Products, and the other company is a company that installs the chimney products we sell for boilers, water heaters, grease duct generators, and, and other applications. That's based here in Maryland. I also have uh, three companies, one in Florida and one Texas one company that sells the, the, the chimney products that we, that we, um, that we sell here. So we, we're, we're, that's brand new. It's about 18 months old. I grew up playing lacrosse my whole life, well, at least through college. Now my daughter is, um, is not really into sports, which is, is nice for not having to drive her around. My son's playing lacrosse and soccer. And we had something happen with his lacrosse coach in the fall. And you start mm-hmm. in the September and the season ends in mid-June after tournaments. And uh, it's really the first time I thought about uh, letting him quit because I was, yeah. you know, I, I heard somebody say that kind of like the opposite of what you always hear. It's like making commitment. Like they said, uh, I forget where it was, it was but they're talking about like, sometimes it's good to quit. <laughs> Don't yeah. stay in something that, that isn't working or isn't beneficial or just because you made a commitment. Um, uh, and it, it kind of resonated with me, but I still always believed in you make a commitment to a team, you, you finish the season or whatever. Yeah. But I'll admit that it, because of what went down, it was the first time I was almost like, well, maybe it's better to, <laughs> to just mm. walk away from this, this situation. And to be honest, I, I kind of wish we had um, just the way that the seasons transpired. But it, like in everything in life, it's it's a lesson, you know, we'll take something out myself and he will take something out of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about like an employee or like a yeah. bad deal you got in. You, you, you want to get out of it. You don't just stay in it because you made a commitment to it. For sure. Hiring somebody or, or a partner on a deal, um, you can get out of it. I don't miss any games. I don't miss any, uh, I want to say any, but there's very, very few of things that I miss. I'm at every game. I try and get to as many practices that to watch that, that I can. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, as you know, I take each kid on a, on a trip every year. I love this too. And then yeah. probably do even, even more than one trip. Um, yeah, I just took my daughter to Tampa to, to go see Taylor Swift, taking my son to go to a, a, a trade coach card show in Chicago in July. Um, so I think I, I'm, I'm pretty good at, uh, really good at, at being there for him and doing, doing some cool things. And I got that for my dad and I know, I know how great it was for me to have him at, you know, even up into college, like being at all my games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, it, you know, like purposely designed my business businesses to be able to me to, to do that, you know, take the, the, you know, put people in charge. Like we all, uh, read the book, Who Not How, right? I've really tried to implement that into, into my life so that I have more free time 
and have actually better people doing <laughs> running parts of my business than, than, than I can do. Um, so I feel like that's something I, I, I do pretty good. It, you know, if you ask them, they probably know, well, well daddy was away on a trip and missed this, but yeah, I, that's one that's, that's rare. I, uh, I'm even with having these offices in Florida, Texas, California, I've got a business partner that is basically running them. And I've, I've only been to Texas a couple of times for work in the last 18 months. I always say to Colin, you know, play hard, play smart and have fun. Right. So yeah. those are the three things I, I really, you know, I, I try and impress. Like before every practice, before every game, I still say, what, what are the three things, Colin? And he'll, he'll say them. Um, at this age, it's it, the have fun is the most, most important yeah. thing. And uh, the, you know, I think that the, the adversity that he's experiencing this year, um, you know, just talking to him about, hey, you're gonna you're gonna go through this. Like, um, you can't you can only control what you can control. You can't control the coach's decision to to put you at this spot or to, yeah. to put you on the field or not on the field. Like, to just go out, play smart, play hard, have fun, and and just control what, what's within your ability to control it. And you know, things will work out or they don't. And then. We'll figure it out. Uh, that's really the, like what we're going through right now. Um, if he was like having all this success, and, like yeah. his head was getting big, then we'd be having different conversations, like you know about being <laughs> humble and, 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 and you know stuff like that. Uh, so there's a lesson in, in every you know you know in, in whether you're playing a lot and, and kicking yeah. butt or you're, or you're not. But I think sports are a great, like a little microcosm of life, right? You can, for sure, you know, just being on a team, like, you know, in business, uh, um, you're, you're on a team, right? There's most businesses are team oriented. So we talked to him about that. Uh, you know, a lot of the kids on his team, <laughs> especially at this age, you know, they're not passing the ball. They're not, you know, yeah. they're coming down. They're like, so it's a good, it's a good thing to be able to talk to him. Like Colin actually does a really good job at, of, of moving the ball and passing the ball and sharing and, and, and looking for his teammates. Um, some of that might be because we're talking to him. Like, Hey, you gotta be a good teammate. Like you yeah. know, be selfish. It's, it's more about the team, you know, the, the team success than, than your individual success. So uh, Joe Wexler on the podcast, uh, he is a, a good buddy in, uh, in Go Abundance. Um, Joe, I want you to, to start kind of just give me a little bit of background on you, um, your family. Joe Wexler, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Been married to Sarah. That we're coming up on 15 years this fall. So suddenly, 15 years. Um, I've got we have a 10 year old son named Ben and an eight year old daughter named Genevieve. And as you can imagine, those ages are very busy and uh, we're fortunate to be able to put a lot of energy towards them. I own a handful of small businesses. Um, I spent a lot of my time before we had kids in management consulting and I was traveling all over the world, um, hundred percent of the time. And once kids started coming, realized that wasn't really, uh, sustainable for the way we wanted to live as parents, specifically me. So even if I'm like really engaged in the first couple of months, um, I make sure that if there is a gap in something that needs to happen on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not the one picking it up and doing it. I'm finding the right person to do that so that six months down the road, I'm not doing it and missing mm -hmm. my son's baseball game or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever yeah. the scenario is, or we can go on a six week trip like we did last summer. 
Awesome. So that's, yeah, that's what I've been focused on. The the one that I'm the CEO of, obviously, kind of ebbs and flows a little bit more and, and demands a little bit more time. It's growing very quickly. Um, so, um, again, I've got a great team there to handle all day-to-day, but I'm still pretty heavily involved in strategic stuff. Is your plan to hire out the COO or CEO eventually? Is that yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, this was a yeah. this is a joint venture partnership between me and a large hospital system, uh, okay. and the goal is absolutely to get to a size where that uh, has the CEO in place, and we're pretty close to that. To be honest, um, that has taken an, that business has taken an interesting turn, and in that we might get acquired or merged with another business, so that. There's a little bit of gray area of what that looks like for me, personally, oh, nice. even if yeah. it's the right thing for the business and the rest of the team. Um, so that's my next challenge as a dad, as a working dad, is like to understand how that new scenario might impact um, our family life. But I'll go into that conversation, those negotiations, knowing what's important to me. Whereas before, mm-hmm. what's important to me was I'll do whatever it takes for the company get the best paycheck and the best package mm-hmm. and I'll figure out how to do family stuff. So now I'm going into this negotiation with like, okay, I've got to protect this first. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to offer you my new partner or whatever. Um, and I've been intentional. I've been clear with them about that up front. So we'll see. It'll be an interesting exercise. I hate saying this, but what a blessing that was for me and for our family. Um, at the same moment that I'm making decisions for the family to be engaged and be intentional and like make that the most important thing, we were given this gift of just like uninterrupted time together. Yeah. <laughs> we were just at home for obviously there was those first few months of just straight up lockdown, but we kind of carried that same momentum through through the last couple of years. So um that actually helped us establish some habits of the family and me as a dad where like if if I ever took any of that time away that we had during that, it would feel like we were taking something away. So mm-hmm. obviously it's evolved a little bit since then, and they're going back to school, and you know we're out and about more, which is awesome. But we're still kind of anchored to the connection and the presence we were able to achieve during that time. So and for us, it just all happened to coincide with other choices we were making. So yeah. it wasn't all totally forced on us. It yep. just was like, okay, now I've got this environment where it doesn't matter that I'm not at an office anyway, because nobody mm-hmm. else is. So now I can really pour into it. And then, yeah. you know, designing everything um, from there so that I can still be able to do that um, is the constant struggle and the thing, you know, something I always work on. Because, like I said, I quit my job, it had nothing to do. And then I went and created a whole bunch of stuff to do and had filled my plate. But I've yep. been able to do it in a way that, still gives me the ability to be home or to take trips or things like that. And that's always a balance because I can always spend more time at, at an office or working, but yeah. just being trying to really be intentional about designing it in a way that still gives me growth on a professional and a career side, but protects everything that's most important here. Talking about homeschooling and, um, yeah, I mean, that, so we both grew up going to public school, but then you start reading them, like, okay, well, I want to do all these cool things. And then mm-hmm. and then the concern about what public school is and how what its origins were and how it's just, like, you know, not really the right environment for, especially in the younger kids. 
which I yeah. can believe. Um, so the switch to Montessori has helped with my son. My daughter seems to thrive anywhere she is, so she's just like cool anyway. Nice. Um, just because she's like free spirited, doesn't care. He just doesn't care. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, but I, but I do think um, there's so many other things that we can give them exposure to, whether mm-hmm. they're in school or homeschooled or whatever that are around business and interacting with humans and um, mm-hmm. experiencing different cultures and people and, and situations that I know was super valuable to me growing up. Um, and I want them to have that same kind of diversity of experience and awareness of not just like what's in our neighborhood or even our city, yeah. but other communities, um, both in the U S and abroad. And I think that perspective is one thing that I'm, we are very committed to giving to the kids. So, yeah. um, it was one thing that like, you know, joining the military was one of those, like I was a military brat and then I joined the military. So like you get thrown into so many different cultures and so many different places and you get to experience so much stuff. Right. So like when I got out of the military and went to college, I had already been to Iraq, Afghanistan. I'd already been to Korea. I'd been around the world multiple times, done it, like seen a lot of stuff. Um, and then I get to college and there's all these kids with all of these opinions about what the world is when they've never even left the County they grew up in. And I'm like, I don't understand how you have this strong enough opinion on these things when you've never even seen the world, you know, like I don't, I I just, it baffled my mind. So, and that's one thing I know for sure. I've, I've tried to give to my kids is that experience, you know, to, to go and see the world and see what, what it's like out there. You know, it's not just, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the neighborhood that we live in, like there's a lot of world out there. So. And um, both of my parents were, had that same kind of experience. My, my mother hitchhiked around Ireland when she was 19 and my father taught, uh, my, my dad taught comparative religions in Tehran, Iran prior to the revolution. Wow. Um, And then, you know, all the travels around those things. So, so they always supported and encouraged me um, to go, like just go explore, like leave, yeah. leave town. Um, they sent me to Norway when I was twelve without them, but you know, but always just encouraged us to do that. And we actually sent That's super um, cool. my son last summer went to Sweden by himself for a week with my nice. brother, but just without us, you know. And he was yeah, 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 seeing a new culture and that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you think of Sweden? He loved it. He wants to go back. Yeah. He's, he he like takes. Duolingo Swedish lessons just to polish. Nice. Them. Made a good friend over there. His friend actually came and visited us afterwards, which was cool. Um, yeah, I mean, we we were pretty like intentional again. Using mm-hmm. overuse that word, but but about getting them out and seeing other countries and other places. So, um, yeah. So how did that like? Was your mom already planning a trip, or did you plan this trip? separately or what she what wanted was, to do something with each kid when they turned 10 okay um so this was his 10 10 year old yeah. he'll be 11 in a couple of months um we have some we have some friends over in sweden that's another crazy long story but i won't tell you where that comes from but they were actually the uh um the indigenous people way up in the arctic circle they're reindeer okay. herders. they're the people that are modeled after or that uh the frozen characters are modeled after like gotcha culture. so they actually went that's cool. uh 
stayed in Stockholm for a day and then a little bit in northern Sweden and then flew a helicopter, two helicopters north up into like totally off the grid, no connection. First time that we'd been not able to communicate with him for multiple days in a row. Um, and there was a family there that they were visiting, staying with, and they had a 10-year-old son too. Uh, so they're pen pals now and chatting now and then. It's awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Was, That's really cool. Like and I would imagine not pen pals. You can't, you, no one, you can't just like go book it. You have to have. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the kind of trip where my mom asked me if she could take him. And I was like, I want to go. But, <laughs> but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you need to do that now. It's just you and your wife. Go do it. That's funny. But, just real, just real quick back to the conversations of, of like having your kids listen to your work stuff and mm -hmm. make sure they're aware of it. Like, you don't want them to know you only for the work. But yeah. if, you, if you're going to create a life where you're going to be present with them more often than you're working, inevitably you're going to have to have some of that. And I think that's like the, like being intentional about them understanding what you're doing and why you're doing it the way you are to have the time with them while also understanding the responsibility that you have the entrepreneur and business owner. Like that's kind of a crazy thing that most people don't have to worry about. Yeah. So like, for instance, we did a six week RV trip last summer, which was incredible. I mean, like how so much dedicated time with the family, this is after COVID. So we just wanted to like <laughs> harness all of that as much as possible. And in six weeks, you can't just like completely shut it all down and shut it off. Yeah. I mean, so the fact that they can see you, or at least in my situation, like see me, on vacation doing something new with them exploring present but then be able to like peel off and have a conversation that's work related and and them understand the magnitude of that without them feeling like it's you're being taken away from it i think something you have to work through we have on uh, a fantastic guest a a dad a father of two kids um courtney atkinson uh, thank you so very much for joining me, Courtney. So, uh, if you can tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, um, a little background on your family, and then I'd love for you to, to kind of dive in on. Yeah, I'm a real estate team leader. We have a team of a little over 50 agents in three markets. Um, pretty big team by volume. You know, we'll sell a couple hundred million a year. Um, also have a coaching company for, for real estate agents, brokers, team leaders. I've been doing that for a good amount of time. And uh, having a lot of fun at the man, like uh, my, my biggest hope is that, uh, you know, my young kids, Carson and Conrad are now six and a half and eight, uh, you know, want to be in that business and that I can create a business that they might be, uh, you know, desirous of stepping into. So that's kind of my primary objective. I love the work that I do and, uh, they're excited about the prospect of, of maybe being business owners one day. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to. You know, inspire them to be entrepreneurs. What kind of conversation did you and your wife had? You know, it, like I, I don't think I've even hit on this before in any of my conversations. But now, yeah, my wife and I are very much, you know, we, we're constantly talking about, you know, what what the future is going to look like, how we're going to be, you know, what we're doing to raise the kids. Are we doing the right things? We're we doing the wrong things. There's constant conversations. Um, uh, was it work to like? Were, were you guys both already on the same page with those conversations you wanted to have, or did it take some like family planning for you guys to sit down and kind of go, hey, this? How do we want to teach the kids about money? How do we want to do these? How do those conversations go? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Uh, yeah, I would say that we, that we did. I, I don't want to say that it was maybe as strategic as, as what you're suggesting, but 
you know, we're, we're very good at communicating on the fly and, uh, and addressing things as they, as they need to be. And, and she's very wise, you know, she came from a family that didn't have a lot of money, but far less than we did. And so like your wife, you know, she's great at saving and far better at budgeting and uh, she doesn't have ADHD. So she's not likely to, you know, drive a car at a million dollar at a million miles an hour or spend every last dollar she has on something that she really doesn't need. So mm-hmm. that's been more in my, my personality. So no, I, I would say that, um, you know, despite those differences, we've, we've managed to find a, a very clear path just through kind of ongoing conversations, um, and, uh, kind of course corrections on the fly if necessary. But admittedly, there haven't been that many of them because, you know, we work together, right? Yeah. So we, we deeply understand one another's philosophy. We share an office. I mean, we, we see each other all the time. So nice. that's not, maybe not as much a challenge for us as it might be for some other families that don't spend as much time together. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, that last part is key. Anyways, you should be spending a lot of time, as much time as you can with your family to begin with. Right. So, um, but yeah. sadly we don't, we don't see that as often. Um, but you know, I, I look forward to my wife retiring to be able to spend a little bit more time and have those conversations a little bit more, more intentionally. You know, I, I, I uh, I did verbalize it as it was almost strategic and my wife and I, it's not as strategic as maybe I made it sound, uh, you know, cause it, it, sometimes it's just like, you know, Hey, the, the way you said that to the kids, like, can we figure, can we figure that out? Can we figure out a better way to say that? Or, um, what were your feelings behind that or your thought processes? And, um, you know, cause I, I mean, I think it's very easy to revert back to the negative mindset, very easy to revert back to the feeling of, um, you know, where, where you came from as opposed to where you're going. Um, you know, the book, uh, the gap and the gain, I don't know if you've read that one, mm-hmm. but it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm constantly living in that gap of where I want to go, then even my language is going to, to change, you know, and, and, and I want to be able to live in that gain and, you know, how, how are we improving? How far have we gone and how far have we come? And, um, yeah teach that to the kids as well. And, and that goes in the way we talk, the way we react to things, the way we you know, do our finances, everything. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all part of the process. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one of the, the kind of key lessons that we're trying to teach these little people is just to be kind, you know, mm. it is, and just be polite, just be kind, um, you know, support others, everything else really becomes easy. You know, yeah. I really think it does. And, um, and, you know, also perspective, you know, we want them to be aware of, of their privilege. Uh, we want them to be aware of the realities of the world that we live in and, and to, to see things and to think critically about why things may or may not be the way that they are. And, you know, I think with insights like that, um, you know, they have a hope of, of being good citizens and, and, and being good business people and, and humanitarian mm-hmm. and philanthropists and, and happy. Like, I mean, what else do we want besides them to be healthy and happy anyway? Yeah. Yeah. You're darn right. Yeah. And I, I tell mm-hmm. my kids all the time, um, you know, now that I'm saying this, I've, I've, it's been a little too long. So I've said it, but my, my goal is to raise my boys to be better men than me. So mm-hmm. if, if they're 1% better than I am, then I've done my job. Like my, I just need them to be better men than me. And, you know, then raise, raise sons who are better men than them and, and daughters, of yeah. course. But, um, uh, but now I've got to figure out how to, how to say that, you know, to my daughter, cause that's a, that's a whole new world opening up. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's not to raise better men than me, but uh, hopefully to find a better man than your dad, you know, like it's going to teach yeah. you, teach you what it is to, to find a better man than me. So. I'm sure that she'll challenge you in all the best ways. No, she won't. She's going to be perfect. A perfect little angel that will never challenge me. 
Well, that's what I, that's what I mean, though. <laughs> you know, there's always going to be the, the perfect challenge, right? I, mean, yeah. I don't think there's anything that's imperfect about, uh, about life. Uh, you know, yeah, as long uh, as that makes sense. I, I, as much as uh, a child can drive you bonkers from time to time, it is one of the greatest blessings that's ever happened in my life. So, um, and I tell people I've had a lot of really cool titles in my day. Uh, but dad still brings me to my knees once in a while. It's like, golly, this is just phenomenal. Like this, just looking at my kids, it just lights me up. Today's guest is a, a good buddy of mine, Camille. Um, I've known Camille for maybe what, three years, something like that. Uh, I have loved Camille watching you as a dad, like I was saying right, right before the recording started. Um, uh, you've got two beautiful daughters. It's been just a fun family to watch and be around. So um, I want to kind of let the audience get to know you a little bit, have a good conversation with you, chatting about you know business and dadhood. But uh, first, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, introduce your family and yourself to everybody, and we'll start from there. So awesome. Uh, so I am married. Uh, so I'm a Polish immigrant, uh, married to Patricia. We... Uh, she's also Polish. We've met here in the States, though, since 04, we got married. But we've been together since about 97. She thinks 96. I'm convinced it was 97 because <laughs> that 96 year was wild for me. There's no way I was already in a relationship. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, but yeah, not really. So, yes. not really. <laughs> so quite a bit of time with my lovely Patricia. Uh, we've had Natalia um, uh, in 2007, so she's 16 now, and then Nell. So two girls. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have, like, any wishes around having boys versus, versus girls. I just kind of took it as it was. I was just excited to be a dad, and, and those two munchkins showed up, and and the adventure of fatherhood was just uh for me it uh, it was amazing it still is actually you know obviously so yeah that's that's our family unit the book about bumper stickers have you read it oh nope so anyway he talks about having a thinking time every week uh, 90 minutes uh it's and i and i have it i'm not always as disciplined to make sure i execute it on it every week but when i do it's always so unbelievably productive, and uh, and that and, and again, being and your your thinking time could be driving a car, could mm -hmm. be sitting down, could be outside, could be on the on the th on the tractor. So so it is where it is, but I think it ha it's a must as part of one's schedule to have that time. So I appreciate that now. I, you know, I try to do it when kids are in school or something like that. Like going back to maximizing time with family, it's, it's hugely important, especially for us entrepreneurial dads who are pulled so many different directions. So you want to make sure that when the kids are home, as much of that time is also available. You're making yourself available. So I get it, but, but you cannot discount thinking time, brother. So, yeah. so you're on the right track. Maybe just pick a different time tomorrow on the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. it at night. <laughs> yeah. Do it at night or while they're at school or something. Yeah. 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 It just, uh, uh, I was, uh, I remember when uh, I was listening to something, I don't remember, but it was, they were interviewing a Jewish guy and uh, the guy was like, how, like it, every Jewish guy I know is wealthy. Like, how do you guys do it? And uh, he's like, have you ever seen 
you know, if you come by my house, you will never see me mow my lawn, but you will see one of my Jewish friends mowing my lawn because his expertise is mowing a lawn. My expertise is whatever it was. And he's like, so as a community, we grow each other all the time. Like I'm not spending time on things that aren't my highest and best use. But what I will do is hire my friend who that is his highest and best use. That's yeah. his company. That's his stuff. And they work together as a community. And that's how he's like, that's, yeah. that's how we're all wealthy is we're paying attention to what we're doing. So every, like you calling me out on that was like a strike in my head. Like, yeah, you knucklehead. Like, you know, but well, it's okay. Uh, at the, same, your point, thinking time. At the same point. Yeah. It. I mean, I, the amount of times I stopped on my, on the lawnmower, I was like, okay, let me put it down, take a note real quick, send myself an email <laughs> and then I'm back to mow the lawn again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, I just yeah. it's it, it's so it's 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 helpful and not right, but uh, uh, I don't know when else I would listen to some of the books I listen to, right? I mean, I, yeah. I I'm pretty go 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 most of the time, so that's the only time I'm really sitting there. Other than especially now that that it's summer here, and there's no school, and you know, it's not like I've got to drive back and forth to school to to you know get me yeah. get me into the books, but. Um, but yeah, that, that's where I was going. Is uh, before you, you know, made fun of me about Mo Milan. Um, <laughs> I I finished. Uh, I listened to everything at like two, three x. So I burned through the stuff pretty quickly. Um, so there was one. It was only like a, a four and a half hour long um, audio book, but I listened to it at three x. So I burned through that entire book and then finished up another book. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, you're you're. I don't know. This year I'm maybe eight eight books in something like that. This year. Um, None of them were family related. So I'm sitting here looking at this one going, hey, you idiot. Like you've done all these other books. Why have you not gotten into this one? So that's, you know. Uh, You'll feel that too. Yeah. I, I think we all are. It's uh, uh, That doesn't mean that it's acceptable, but it means that, you know, yeah. we're all. Uh, can you guys, can you hear my kids in the background? No. They're having a blast tiny, out there. They just keep sliding back and forth and like just chasing each other. It's, it's phenomenal. It's so, bad, baby. it's so much fun to watch. Uh, That's it. Um, so what do you, uh, uh, what, what does retirement look like to you? Mm, very interesting question. I just recently did this exercise. I don't know where I got it from just to write down your, write out your ideal day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and hold on, I got it right here in my notebook that I'm, that's right in front of me. Let me revisit that. What is my ideal day? Future self. I think that was it right here. If I don't find it, it's going to be very anticlimactic. <laughs> but let's see. Kind of like your book you were talking about earlier. Something about. I got, I'll, I'll remember that book. I'm telling you before it's over. I'm getting up at 5.50 a.m. Doing my miracle morning taking the kids to school, uh, well, the older one, then come, coming back, making breakfast for the little one and Patricia, uh, taking the little one back to school uh, with Patricia. Then we stop by for coffee on the way back. And then I probably bang out a couple of uh, high-level meetings with some of my my COOs or, and, or, or whoever's uh, – whoever's running some of these companies at the time, uh, then obviously you need time to hit the plates and do a little workout, gym, uh, lunch. That's a late lunch. I got to revisit that. And then <laughs> I wanted to, <laughs> and then I wanted to leave myself always a time for strategizing, whether that's business, family, life, 
you know, advent training adventures or, or, or the next big thing in, in whatever um, genre. Uh, and then obviously family time when everybody gets home. So that would be my ideal day. What, what does retirement look like for me is, you know, I don't think I'll ever, not that I think, I know I'll never stop reinventing myself and, 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 and exploring different opportunities. Like I, I like to watch a movie or, or a good documentary, but I'm not one to sit on the couch and just watch TV aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, my circle of friends here uh, is, is quite, quite tight. Um, you know, very intentional about who I spend time with. Um, but you know what? That is something to talk about. It's it's one of the things in my life that I want to start putting more emphasis on and and creating more meaningful relationships. Um, a little, you know, some of that is you know amazing people like yourself. You live in other states, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not that easy to get for a Sunday barbecue together. But uh, I do want to make sure that's part of my life. So I'll always do something. I'll, I'll always try to um, mentor people and stay active. Um, I'm a strong believer that anything in life needs to needs needs to be exercised, like our muscles are, whether it's mm-hmm. our brain, our habits. Um, everything needs to be cultivated uh, for it to flourish. So, man, yeah, retirement pretty much is not much different from what I do now. Maybe less meetings. One thing I'll say about um, being a dad of daughters is, to me, uh, that's just the kind of dude I am. It was liberating to be a 30-something-year-old, then 40-year-old, and just let the guard down and just Mm -hmm. just be silly and and play with the dolls and have your nails painted. I was like, yes, this is the best. (laughs) Like, I could go back to being a kid, right? Yeah. Um, You know, I had my martial arts for the for the manly outlet uh sparring and kick kicking people's butt but then when i got home it was uh it was so awesome um yeah and and as you know because you're an amazing at it already it's that time spent uh, i love pat hyben's tattoo right love is spelled time and and with girls we talk about meaningful time spent with girls it is just just letting go and being silly and being, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, it's hard for us, but it's that feminine energy at the, at the girls' level, and, and, and I think that that's what makes a difference. At least what it, what made a difference for me, you know, yeah. growing up with two girls, well, two girls yeah. growing up with me. Yeah, yeah, and you're you're growing up too. Don't no, don't don't yeah. fool yourself. But uh, yeah, I, I grew up with two older sisters, and it was like uh, uh, they were always really mean to me. Um, uh, I was like, <laughs> we, they're two older sisters. Like even like they would never play anything that I wanted to play, so I always had to play what they wanted to play. And like whether it was parties or whatever, so I'm sitting there, and they wouldn't even let me be Ken. Like they made me. I don't even know the the. There was like this little baby Barbie, and they're like, "Yep, that's you." That's you, bud. I was like, what the heck? It's like, I can't even be Ken. I can't. Come on, guys. Like, what the heck? You know, like it was a mess. You're going to get to be Ken now. Finally. Finally, I get to be Ken. Uh, I tell people, my my wife rides motorcycles and shoots guns. So if we have a little girl that wants to be a princess, we're screwed. Like, we're not. 
going to know what to do. (laughs) We're both going to have to figure out how to do all this. I mean, I could count on one hand how many times she's gone out and got her nails done. And one of them was because I bought it for her for her birthday. Like we went out together and did it. I was like, this is, you know, so like, that's just not something she does. So if, if Diana does that type of stuff, we're going to be very confused, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure you it out. Will, you will. Yeah. And you'll have lots of fun doing it, man. So oh, I'm, I'm so happy for you. It's going to be amazing. We have on Tim Vest. He's an entrepreneur, a dad. Let's start off just, uh, Tim, you telling us a little bit about yourself, telling everybody uh, who it is that we're talking to today, um, your family, your business or businesses in your case, and then uh, we'll kind of go from there. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so Tim Vest, uh, got a few different things that I do. Um, I have a company called Harvest Properties Group that I founded a while back. Um, it does, uh, we purchase and operate real estate, uh, mostly, mostly in the multifamily and triple net space, um, and primarily in the Carolinas since that's where I'm located. Um, so North, South Carolina and Georgia is where we mostly do what we do. Um, I'm also a co-founder of Making Moves Real Estate Coaching with my business partner, Tim Vitale. Um, and uh, we uh, we coach uh, we coach folks on real estate, kind of getting that first big deal across the finish line, if you will. Um, and then uh, one of the other things that I own, uh, so I, I have a, a podcast and a small group uh, called Barbaric Yacht that uh, I founded. Um, that's focused on just kind of you know working with folks, kind of getting through. Um, uh, through the entrepreneur world and kind of uh, making your own voice known. So like, how are you, how are you ingraining that into your daughter? Like what, what kind of conversations do you have to kind of discuss what that path is going to look like? Or, you know, what, what does that turn out? Yes. So, so, you know, like with my daughter, I think the expectation, I think she has the expectation that she's going to go to college. Um, Mm -hmm. I think she, I think she wants to, I think she wants to have that experience, which, which I'm, I'm a big fan of like, I'm, I'm not one of those guys. that's like, you have to go or you, or don't go, it's useless or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think there's certain things that you experience in college that are, that go beyond just learning and the degrees and things like that. I, I think being there and being part of that community is huge. And there's something to be said for that. Um, that being said, the conversations my daughter and I have are, Hey, this, this is a path you know, regardless of if you go down this path or not, we fully expect you to be, you know, top around the top of your class in high school. I expect a certain level of performance in high school. Um, and you know, if my mom watches this mom, I'm sorry to say this, but you know, my mom, my mom drove for A's, right? She's like, you make A's. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I was a little bit of like, I, you know, if I, if I can do no studying and make a B, um, that's what I'm doing. And yeah. she, she did not understand that. Cause my mom never made a B in her life. <laughs> Literally she didn't. And, and my wife doesn't get it. She never made a B either. And, you know, kind of the conversation I have with my daughter is like, I expect you to have this level of performance with one exception. If I see you working your tail off and you, I, you know, and you, you land here instead of here. Okay. You yeah. know, I, like, I just got to see that you legitimately gave it a shot and that you mm-hmm. tried, right? Like, okay, great. You know what? Maybe math's not your thing. And, you know, you studied your tail off and you ended up with a B or even a C, whatever. Okay. You tried, right? So that's kind of maybe a, a, something a little bit different that I do with her than my parents did with me. 
Um, cause man, if I came home with a B, it was a conversation, you yeah. know? Um, and so that's, that's something a little bit different. we also have a little bit of a different conversation of, I would like you to go to school. If that's not what your dream is, we can certainly have that conversation. I don't mm -hmm. expect it. Um, so I, that's probably somewhere where we, where I'm a little bit different than my parents were with me. Yeah. I like the, the concept of, uh, I expect A's, but I actually expect hard work more than I expect the A is what that kind of sounds like. And that's yeah, similar to what I tell my son. Like, I don't, <clears throat> I want you to get good grades really do. But if you're working your butt off and like you said, you just, I, I care more about the effort you put in. Right. Cause there was one test this, I mean, my son just finished third grade. So he's, um, uh, my oldest, he just finished third grade and I was going into fourth, but, um, there was one test he did not study for at all. And it was very obvious. Like, um, I got a call from his teacher was like, I know you guys just like, we, we were out for something. I think it was, it was the birth of our daughter or something. Like he was out of school for a couple of days and then came back in, um, to a test, uh, that he should have already known all the answers to. Um, but, but then he, he sits down and was like, uh, he got like a, a terrible grade on it. Um, and he was, he was tore up about it. And it was like, 30% of his grade for that quarter for that subject. And mm. I was like, this, you can't get a bad grade like that. Like that, that's going to kill your, your overall grade. But his teacher was like, I should have asked you first, like, which I don't think she should have. I mean, it's just, it's on, it's on me and him to make sure that he's prepared. Right. But, uh, we came home and I said, this is because you didn't try. Let's try. And then we studied. We, we, it was literally the next day he went in and got 100 on the test because he tried that night. He studied. He did this. I was like, see, this is why I expect you to try. <laughs> like You're showing yeah. me already in third grade that if if you try, you're going to do great. If you don't try, meh, you see what happens. So, right. Uh, right. And that's what I care more about is, is working your butt off and making sure that you're trying. So, yeah, I appreciate I, I, that. Yeah. So, trying and then for me, trying and then ownership. Yeah. You know, owning it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've, I've had multiple conversations with her, man, where she's, you know, she, she didn't make a good grade and she's like, you know, the teacher didn't teach me this or mm. blah, 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 or something. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, listen, own it. Like you should have, you were not as prepared as you should have been. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and you need to own that. Um, you know, that, and, and we, we have that, she's a, you know, I mentioned she's in soccer and stuff. And yeah, I think, I think probably one of the, the, one of the times I've kind of lost my cool with her was we got in the car. Her team does not lose often, mm -hmm. but they lost. And she got in the car talking about a play that the goalie missed. You know, that she was like, she, you know, the goalie should have blah, 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 done this, done this. And I'm like, I think there's 10 players that that mm -hmm. kid got through before they got to the goalie. You being one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that goalie is your teammate. Everybody on this team needs to own that. Um, cause man, I played sports and, and one of the things I could not stand and my dad wouldn't deal with it either was like, first of all, I couldn't stand you not trying hard and I could not mm -hmm. stand, uh, when people weren't good teammates, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, that was, that was, that's probably one of the biggest things with me with her is, is like own it, right? Mm -hmm. Try hard and then own it. My businesses are doing very well, but they're taking a ton of time. And I need to give them that focus. But at the same time, my daughter's 15 years old. I think I got three years left with her mm -hmm. here, you know, before she goes off and does whatever she's going to do. I'm really struggling with that. Um, I'm really struggling with, you know, how do I do all of what I need to do for my business and, and, and things like that, but still be a dad and not miss these next three years. Cause yeah. man, once, once they're gone, they're, they're kind of gone. Um, 
you know, you, you always kind of have that relationship, right? But it's not, it's not the same as when they're home. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm probably struggling with that right now, if I'm being honest. Um, so I, I, um, the guy, the guys in GoBundance, a lot of them were recommending this. Um, oh, I'd have to look it up. I, I don't have it in front of me. Um, it was this book about like, uh, dads and daughters or something like that. Okay. Um, and I, and I read it and I, 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 I went through it like that. Right. Like I was so like, you know, please, please tell me something. Give me a mm-hmm. nugget of wisdom here. Um, and it, you know, I, I think I'm trying to focus on, on making sure that every day that I, I prioritize some time. Right. Um, cause one of the, one of the aha moments for me was one of the things my daughter and I, you, you mentioned movies. Uh, so there's two things my daughter and I really connect on right now, which is movies and sports. Um, and, you know, I mentioned I went to NC state, so she, she has an affinity for NC state, even though, you know, that's a, that's a struggle to pull for them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to defeat themselves more often than not. Um, but you know, we're, we're state fans. So she and I have a, a common bond there. And, and, uh, during the NCAA tournament this past year, they were in the tournament. They play, I think they were playing at like one twenty on a Friday or something. And I told her, I was like, Hey, you're going to watch the game with me. Right. She's like, yep. So we had this plan, you know, Friday of the tournament first round and we were going to watch it and three o'clock rolls around and I'd gotten into something and I'm working. And finally at three o'clock, I was like, okay, I'm going to go out and watch the game. I walk out there. She's not there. I was like, I walked up to her room and I was like, I was like, Hey, we're, we're going to watch the game. She's like, dad, I sat in the living room and watched the entire first half waiting for you. You never came out. So I just went to my room mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, you're like that, yeah. that killed me, man. And that was one of those moments where I was like, I got to figure this out. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got to figure this out. Um, so that's, if I'm struggling with something right now as a dad, that's probably it. Yeah. What, uh, boy. Yeah, I completely understand. That's actually one of the reasons I left the military was was a similar conversation um, that I had with my oldest at the time. And um, like what gut wrenching moments now, you know, and my, my kid was only what uh, at that point, like five years old when he came and just had one of those. Uh, I was traveling a lot and he just came up and was was crying his eyes out. Daddy, 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 don't leave again. And I was just taking the trash yeah. out and I was like. <laughs> Well, this kid, that's all this kid knows is that I'm gone all the time. Right. And that's not, that's not optimal, you know? And right. I tried very hard to make sure that, um, probably at the expense, honestly, of the businesses that I run to when they come knock on the door, you know, and I, I even told you before the podcast started, like walk in, I, I don't care, walk in, that's fine. Like oftentimes sure. they'll still do a little knock and like ask if it's okay if I come in. But, um, you know, it, it's been freeing for me. To just kind of be able to just walk out there and say, Hey, I'm with you guys. Like I don't, but at the same point I catch myself, okay, well, I'm with you guys, but I'm on this or, yeah. you know, I'm with you guys, but I'm thinking about something else. And like that whole presence thing with the kids is really tough because I've got 7,000 other things going on in my brain. Like I'm in the right. middle of building, rebuilding some comp, comp things. I'm looking at deals. I'm looking at, you know, um, you know, where's the, where's our fun dad? Where's the, like, it's just like all the stuff going on. Like, how do we keep it all balanced in our brain? I don't, you know, I wish I had a magic answer for you, but just know that you're not the only one dealing with that. That's for sure. So. <laughs> that, that, I mean, honestly, man, that helps a ton. Um, Cause uh, you know, I got a lot of answers for a lot of things. I still haven't figured that one out. Yeah. Um, I do not know how to balance that um, at all. 
Yeah, I, every 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 single day is a struggle. Doug Spence is with us today. I want to uh, let him introduce himself. Doug, please just kind of say hello, uh, introduce your family, uh, who you are, a little bit of background on you and your business, and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go from there. My name is Doug Spence. I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Did my undergrad at Baylor University, and then uh, joined the Navy back in 2009. Uh, was a uh, aviation guy, so went to flight school for a couple of years in Pensacola, and then uh, selected Super Hornets and went out to Lamore, California for a year. Then moved out to Japan for three years, did three carrier deployments. Uh, then uh, moved to Pensacola, Florida, to be a flight instructor. Did that for three years, uh, which is also where I met my wife, Kate. Uh, she is a Navy JAG. We're both uh, active duty Navy. Um, and then moved to San Diego in December of 2018, uh, was at SEAL Team 3 for two years, uh, running their JTAC program, so Joint Terminal Attack Controller. And then now I'm back at a, an aviation command now, a non-flying aviation command uh, doing a, a department head tour now here in San Diego. We've been in San Diego for four and a half years now. Um, and then I got into real estate back in 2016 when I was in Pensacola. So that's where I bought my first property, really where I got addicted to real estate. And I've yes. been uh, surrounding myself with people that feed that addiction ever since. So it's only gotten worse, right? Uh, and just been doing real estate on the side while I'm uh, active duty. And then we have a, our son, Calvin. Uh, he was born on Cinco de Mayo uh, 2022 last year. So here's another thing I've thought about is you, know, you see a lot of parents who are like pushing their kids in a certain direction. Yeah. And I think that's like, I'm at least right now, you know, my wife and I were like, we, we don't, whatever he wants to pursue, we're fine with. We don't want to push him in any one direction because I think a lot of parents are like, Oh, I or maybe they, they, they take an interest in soccer or whatever. And it's like, okay, you need to be the best. You need to be a professional soccer player. And then it's like, fast forward uh -huh. to you, the kid's not interested in soccer anymore, you know, but you don't yeah keep pushing them. And I think that at least my perception of it is when parents are pushing kids in a certain direction, it's almost like a narcissism of the parent because they want, yeah. like they're pushing the kid to be a doctor so that they can say my kid's a doctor. Now, obviously they want a good life for their kid and, you know, mm -hmm. they, you know, be wealthy or whatever. Like, uh, but I, I, I see a lot of that and I'm just like, man, like why push your kid, like let them go where they want to go and just support whatever that is you know, within reason, obviously, but, uh, yeah. you know, s s just be, just be supportive because they'll be successful in something that they enjoy doing. Um, and if you push them in one direction, there's going to be friction down the road with that because if they don't actually want to do it. Then why, why, why keep pushing them for that one thing? So that's something I think about. Have you encountered that at all? Like with you and your wife, like, um, do you guys push them in any direction or are you more like, you know, we'll support you wherever you want to go as long as it's not something, you know, absurd or unhealthy or something yeah. like that. Well, if I did start to push them, I'm not going to say it now because you just would have been judgmental on me for doing it. That's true. I would have. But no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've actually had that conversation multiple times because I, um, you know, like I, my Adam and Rourke both love golf. Right. And I'm a big fan of golf. So I tend to think, okay, do they only love golf because daddy likes golf? Yeah. Like, am I pushing them to do this? So like I told Raquel, I said, we'll, we'll keep funding it as long as they're enjoying it and want to do it. But if, if they stop and don't want to do it, we're not going to quit mid season. Like you've made a commitment. We're going to go through right. it, go through with it. Right. Um, so let's finish the season. Like we've got a golf match later on today. Um, 
uh, I think he'd rather go to, uh, to Bush Gardens or Islands of Adventure um, because it's summer and he wants to be able to do that. But at the same point, he loves golf. So he's like, yeah, let's go do it. Let's go figure this out, you know, and we go golf together and all the stuff. So sometimes I feel like I'm pushing that. Um, but I, I try to have the conversation with him like, Hey, but like, is this something you really want to enjoy? Should we be taking a break from this? He's like, no, 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 I don't want to take a break. You know? And it's, it's like, okay, well, I mean, I, I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm not pressuring you, but there's still always that thing in the back of my mind. Like, you know, just like he started playing hockey, um, before, um, before COVID started and then it, COVID shut down the hockey ranks and everything. And we weren't able to go in for a little while right. and we just haven't, haven't gone back, especially after the move. Um, but, uh, but that was always a sport that I wanted to play, but we couldn't afford to play. So it's like, okay, well, I, I got him into hockey. He likes playing. And now am I, am I pushing him towards this stuff? You know, like I, yeah. it's always a fear because I love golf and I love hockey and I'm, you know, trying to push him into those, but at the same point, not really push him into those. So, um, I have the same concept and theory as you as like, Hey, just kind of let them figure their own, their own way out. Like, you know, every action has an equal opposite reaction. So if I push really hard, he's either going to push really hard back or I'm going to knock him over. It's like, right. I don't, and I don't want either of those to happen. I want him to kind of find his own way. Yeah. Well, you brought up a good point about commitment. I mean, you know, like, hey, you want, you know, they're talking about how they want to do golf for a season or whatever, and it's like, okay. But if if you do this, you're gonna you're gonna do it. You're gonna do it at yeah. least through the season, and then we'll reassess. If you don't like it after the season, then we won't do it again. But you signed it, and, and that's different. I think that's not necessarily like pushing them. If because if they're like, I don't want to yeah. go golf, it's like, well, you you signed up for golf, so like we're yeah. you know we're we're doing it right. So. That, that's different. That's just teaching them like, Hey, you, you know, you said you're going to do this. You committed it. You told mommy and daddy you wanted to do it. So you, you we're doing it, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's different, but, but that's another good point about just committing to something and following through with it. That's it. That's another important lesson. Um, you know, whether or not you, if you halfway through, you don't like it as much, you committed to it. So you can end it at the, the end of the season and maybe pursue something else. But for now, you know, you gotta, you gotta show up because you said you would. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a, a good lesson on both sides, like you said. So, you know, that's what I try to stick to. And, you know, if my kid turns out to be a terrible mess, then none of you guys should listen to me. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Time, well, time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah. One activity, uh, just because I did uh, when I was younger, I did swimming and I was I was really good at it. But um, the big, de- you know, deterrent for it. And there's a part of me that, you know, if our son Cal wants to swim, great. But it's like they start really early in the morning, like the swimming yeah. stuff, like super early. And then you're just there like all day long, you know? And it's like, so, I mean, if he wants to do the swimming, we'll support it. But a part of me is kind of like, if he doesn't, that's okay too. <laughs> <You know>? uh-huh. <laughs> Something that's like not super inconvenient for the parents would be ideal. I'm not going to push him in that direction. Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. Today, I have a, uh, a good friend of mine. We spent a solid week together doing some fun uh, Tony Robbins events event and uh, having, a, having a great time. But um, he is a, another uh, amazing dad to chat with, a uh, fantastic business owner. I look forward to him kind of uh, sharing his, uh, his knowledge. So, uh, Anthony, I'm going to turn it over to you. Kind of give us an introduction, who you are, your family, kind of your business, and let's, uh, let's roll from there. I'm a business owner. I have... Uh, uh two martial arts schools and a gym. Our gym uh, specifically works with children. I used to work with children and adults, but one of my favorite quotes is it's easier to build strong children than to fix broken men. And that's by Frederick <laughs> Douglass. And I truly believe that. And I made it my mission in life to 
give par- uh, parents and kids the tools to know that they are enough. So uh, hopefully, if anybody's watching this, I'm sure that you can have some good, solid takeaways. Now, some of my my background is uh, I'm a lifelong martial artist. Uh, I was an alternate for two Olympic Games. Uh, I was number one in the United States for about uh, 10 years in the sport of Taekwondo. I run two martial arts schools, and we teach uh, boxing, Krav Maga, Taekwondo, and Jiu-Jitsu, and Kali. That's not what we really teach. What we really teach is character development. So what, when, uh, prior to starting this podcast, we were talking about my specialty. My specialty is to work on uh, the psychology of children, giving them the tools, the 80% between the ears, not the 20%, which is their mechanics. I made it a mission that my goal for the kids was not to compare. Uh, as well as sport is important. I have a beautiful wife who is a, a fourth degree black belt. She was a world university game silver medalist in Taekwondo. We met over 20 years ago. Um, my, my daughter is, a, uh, is the youngest black belt we've ever had in our school. Uh, obviously by default, it's not because of, of nepotism, but because uh, in the Graf family, we are about consistency and uh, they are not allowed to miss a day. It's more important that they are consistent because at the end of the day, they need to have those 10,000 hours in and they're going to realize that the difference makes uh, of, of whoever it is, whether in, in, be in business or whether it be in sport. I always tell my boys, my, my goal is to make you better men than me, right? So it's, right. it's hard to make them better men than me if I don't put them in an environment that, you know, allows that to happen. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm constantly putting them in an environment or just letting them choose their environment, then they're going to be uh, maybe better boys than me, but certainly they're going to have a hard time being a better men than me, you know, like that's a, uh, you know, and that, that's one thing I've talked about. This is a small tangent, but, um, I was recently talking at my church and um, somebody, they were asking about uh, different life groups that we like to do. And I said, I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing 40 year old boys walking around. Like what happened to 40 year old men? Why don't we have 40 year old men? Like we have all these boys who are just addicted to their phones and addicted to, you know, the, the same childish things and not like raising their kids in a proper manner and not doing all that. Like we need to, as business owners and, um, uh, entrepreneurs, oftentimes we have our own coaches. We have our own stuff where we're putting our, our, you know, helping feed our brain and all this stuff. But are we taking the same intent with our kids and making sure that they have the right mentors and the right coaches around them? You know, like be like that's part of leading as a father, as part of leading as a man, is making sure that your your kids are are getting the same kind of benefits that you're trying to get. You know, can I tell you something beautiful about you? If you don't mind, if I could blow some smoke real quick. And I'm going to show you a picture right now. Can I show you a picture? I have this in one of my parenting clinics. I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it? Yes. Right? So it's, um, this is a a father and a son, right? Um, now I think that what the challenge in this picture is, um, there's a father and he's giving a piece of himself to, 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 to his son. Yeah. But what's missing is, uh, something that you have is that you have, if he continues to do that, he has nothing left to give unless Mm -hmm. he, grows himself and you have a beautiful skill and it's a honed skill. I don't know how much of it is nature, but I know it's nurture is your ability to communicate and lead. And I think as a parent, you can, remember this, you cannot make people do anything. I can't make you go buy a car. The only thing I can do is I can inspire you and influence you. Yeah. So yeah. As, as an parent, and then now how good are you at that? Because I remember I talk to parents regularly that don't have the skill of communication, that they just are, they're not speaking their language. 
mm-hmm. right? If you go over the five love languages, like I might be cleaning the house for my wife, right? And she does not receive love that way. But if I tell her she's beautiful, she'll, she, she'd melt because yeah. I'm not speaking to her. And as a parent, you, you have to be able to, you know, a, a, or just as a leader in general, but as a parent, you have to be able to communicate because you have different children and they're going to speak differently. Mm-hmm. You have a kid that is going to be emotional and you're going to have a kid that's completely logical. So if you have a kid that's emotional and you want to say the same thing that your father said, he said, um, um, the, the, show me your five friends, right? Yeah. Show me your five friends. And I'm your, oh, you said that as well. But yeah. that, what's another way to say that? You know, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. That's emotional. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you don't, and, um, so the other one is that the, if you want to do numbers, we do five friends and statistically you're going to be this way. So are you speaking to this person in the language that they understand? Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. uh, like, so, you know, or you might, if, if you're, you say you lie with dog, you lie with dogs, you can't please, right? Like whatever it may be, you got to speak to them in the manner that they understand. And, you know, I had a friend of mine, his name's Casey Bergner. He was, uh, both of him and him and I were uh, alternates for 2008 Olympics. And he went around the United States teaching Olympic weightlifting. He was a part of the CrossFit boom when they were mm-hmm. teaching Olympic weightlifting. And I go, Casey, what did you learn um, from, you know, going around the, the United States teaching all, you know, all these people Olympic lifting? He said, I learned a thousand ways to say the same thing. Yeah. And that's what coaching is. Like, can yeah. I pivot? Can I? If you're not listening, am I absorbing this? Can I, can I teach it in a different manner? For sure. And I, so, I mean, you obviously coach a lot of different kids and you're going through a lot of different, like, there's got to be a lot of trial and error and how to figure out what's the, have you found easier ways or harder ways to kind of like to say, Hey, how do I know how to speak to this child? Do you have like specific things in your brain where you go, okay, well, there's, there's basically these six types of kids that I end up coaching. And if I'm talking to one of these types, then I talk this way. If I'm talking to one of these types, I like it. Do you have any tips, tricks, thoughts on like with the experience you have there? I have a lot. So let me start with number one, which is ironically enough, and I, you know, we, you pointed this out before we started this. Yeah. So there's two wolves on here. A friend of mine, this is his martial arts school. It's called True Martial Arts. And he, um, he put um, two wolves on it because it was based on the story I taught at a, at a, a certification that I was, te- I was giving. And um, it, it's, it's an old Navajo story, and it goes like this. Um, there was a young Native American boy, and he's sitting around the campfire with his grandfather. And he says, uh, Grandfather, you know, why are some people so good and some people so bad? And the grandfather says, my grandson, inside of every person, there are two wolves. There's a good wolf and a bad wolf. The good wolf lives in peace and harmony, only takes what it needs from the land, and it thrives off of the growth and enjoyment of other people. It's a peaceful wolf. The bad wolf kills for sport. It thrives off of pain, anguish. It wants to see people hurt and pain around it. And uh, the young Native American boy sits for a second and says, well, grandfather, I understand that there's two wolves inside of me, a good wolf and a bad wolf, and two wolves inside of you. But which wolf is stronger? And the grandfather says, whichever you feed. The one you feed the most. Yeah, it makes sense. And so I always say that, look, people make mistakes, you know, whatever it may be. You, you, have, a, you, have, a, you have an eight-year-old boy, he will lie. But mm-hmm. if you continue to lie, you're a liar. Yes? Yeah. So which wolf are you feeding? Right? And I, ideally, you, you're, you're, this is the process. Now, we 
we have we have a saying in my coaching staff: the be, the behaviors you praise are the child you raise. Mm-hmm. So let's say your kid smacks your other kid and you giggle. What did you just do? Uh, I had a positive reaction in his brain for what he just did. And but I'm teaching him that that's an okay thing. He said, and you're like, no, and you're smiling, right? Like, so what happens is we have to understand now, I'll give you the, the, the fundamental example of this. And your kid falls. Like, because we always say this, I'm going to jump off topic for a second. What's the number? If you could pick one trait for your daughter and your boys, one character trait for them, what would it be? Boy, that's one. a tough one. Just quickly, off the top of your uh, brain. If you, the, well, the top of my brain was affected by what you just said, which resilience comes to my brain from what you just okay, said. Stop, right? Time so. out. That's, that's, okay, so maybe I, maybe I did a power <laughs> suggestion in there, right? So but resilience is, yeah. is, is our number one. Um, in my wife and I, we decided the resilience is, is top. And I can go back to that in a second because I have a whole segment of talking about res- building resilience in children in good times. All right. And um, so your kid falls down and you, what is, what is your tip the typical reaction is, oh, poor baby, come here, let me kiss it. So when your kid falls down and you kiss it, what do they, what do they understand? That martyrdom equals hugs and love. Mm -hmm. Yes. So then then your kid falls for no reason and they go, they want to kiss. Yeah. And 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 it's your instinct to go, yeah, I'm just going to take care of my kid. But, you know, um, doing that that's not necessarily going to build the kind of kid that you want because you're not yeah. praising the behavior you want. So what we do is I go, uh, we actually have a system even in my school. It's a little bit different, but my kid falls down. I don't say, are you okay? I go, you're okay. I go, thanks for being tough. You're a graph. You're the toughest kid. I know. Awesome job. Yeah. And then now my kids, they'll get hit by a bat and they'll limp it off because we've mm-hmm. kind of fed this. And why do we want resilience, uh, resilience, as um as such is so important for us because tragedy is inevitable bad things yeah. are going to happen to our kids and i want them to be able to bounce back and not crumble and i think that's the greatest skill we could teach them because it, it, it you know um we're just priming them for life right yeah for um sure. and, and you know they, i go by this this quote i actually have it here um because I, I always forget it it's um so hard times create strong men Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Yep. So, what does that mean? Obviously, we're in good times right now. So, what does that mean? My my child's going to be weak. So, what I have to do is consciously understand the behaviors I'm feeding. But not only that, but also, this is probably this is the top tier advice right now. Self esteem in children is built from doing difficult things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I get you if you turn the, the camera and you pointed at all the things that you have displayed over there besides the, the, the things that bring you love they are the hardest things that you've ever been through in your life some of them because you are proud of the things that you had to overcome right whether mm-hmm. it be the military I see flying is fun, flying a plane is fun yes <laughs> these are yeah. these are these you are proud of the things that are difficult nobody brags about how cush their life was so how do we make our kids, how do we build self-esteem on our kids in a time where everything can be easy? We create artificial challenges for them, for sure. whether it be sport or you just do hard things. Like people ask me, like they think it's borderline abuse that my daughter is running eight, five Ks. 
you know, by the time. And I'm like, oh, or making her. Yeah. yeah. And I go, and exactly. Because what happens is what's next? How do I yeah. build her self-esteem? How do I do, how do my, my son does, you know, can do front flips and break boards because I'm constantly pushing them to be the best version of themselves. I'm not greedy and trying to make them do a front flip the first day, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, we, but I understand that they're like, the one thing that we are in the graph household is consistent. And we're consistent not only in that, but also in the things that we feed. Like we're, we understand that to, to the, to the, to the core that the behavior I feed will grow. Mm-hmm. So For sure. I, I, um, so the bottom line is that's the first step to the, the graph household of parenting is being conscious of the behaviors we feed and, and celebrate. Not only that, but we are, we're very big on like anchoring. Um, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, so we, we talk about, you know, we do Tony Robbins event and they, they say mm-hmm. that this, this core thing is this, um, whose love did you crave more? Right. That's a big thing. Your mom's or your dad's. And that's the first question they ask. And then they ask, um, who, who do you have to be to get that love? So, th- and I love that because it's like so simple in the understanding of our psychology, because I understood how much it affected me because when I first heard that, it reminded me of, I, I bought my house. I bought this, I have a big house. It's a five bedroom, five bath, like two story. And I realized it's, it was kind of, had like a lot of similar traits to the house I grew up in. And mm-hmm. my father comes in as, you know, there was a lot because it was a new construction. And he walks in the house next door. He, so he like, and he walked into mine because it was the thing. And he saw mine and he goes, why so big? And I, it broke my heart because then I, but then I realized, oh, I bought this house for him. Yeah. I bought this house for him. I, I thought this house is who I needed. And then at that moment I realized, I was like, Okay, I, I love my house, but I did it for my dad. Yeah. And then you start to realize that. So understanding that, I was like, how powerful that is. I am. I consciously anchor things into my children, like who they need to be for, for to, to receive my love. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Every time I run with my daughter, I don't make it a painful experience. We run. We started with. Uh, 200 meters when she was almost seven mm-hmm. and we slowly built, but now we're up to the point where we do two miles and uh, uh, regularly and when we, and then we shoot for three once in a while and every really far fetched we go for four if she's feeling ambitious. So yeah. we'll do two miles we'll run. And when we run, we talk, Hey Dove. And it starts every time like this, you know what this, you know what the best part of my day is? She goes, I know dad. I go, this is the best part of my day. I love this so much. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to consciously associate my daughter uh, love and fitness together. Mm-hmm. So when my when I pass on a long gun and she goes for a long distance run, she's going to think she's going to feel love. Yeah. Just like my dad when I he celebrated me, he would take me for ice cream. So now like like a little fat boy. As soon as I sad, I start eating ice cream, right? <laughs> because I associate like this love with ice cream. Yeah, not a long distance run. So my, you know, that's my that, that's my goal is like reverse understand engineering engineering uh, understanding the the what people are right. People are mm-hmm. at the end of the day the core is whose love do I crave more, 
And who do I have to be to get that love? Whether it be a good student, you know, a cutthroat, a business person, you know, or just patient, loving, whatever it is, it has to be celebrated. Right? They have to understand they get the most amount of love. So my both my daughter, she gets honor roll. We go nuts. We throw parties. We do like we anchoring. We're making a, a pattern disrupt to understand that this has to be a core memory. Yeah. That she oh she remembers like, oh hard work equals celebration, mm-hmm. right? Instead of you know like you, it, we can people unconscious if you're not conscious of it, it's just going to end up being all your bad behaviors anyway. We have Jamie Gruber on the podcast today. So Jamie and I have known each other for, I don't know, like, I don't know, five years, something like that, with between a couple of different masterminds that we've been in. Um, but uh, I'm really excited to have Jamie on. Uh, you know, he's another Go Abundance guy, another uh, another real estate uh, business owner, that type of guy. So to, to kick it off, Jamie, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, uh, what kind of business uh, slash businesses uh, you're involved in. I am almost 13-year happily married man. My wife, Sylvia, uh, and I met each other while working together in Boston. She actually worked for me. We have two young boys, eight and five, uh, Sebastian, both, yeah, both boys. Uh, Sebastian's eight, Julian's five. So my first business is, or the top of my funnel, if you will, to in, in my world is I host the Tribe of Millionaires podcast. It's in partnership with GoBundance. I've been a member for four plus mm-hmm. years, and a lot has happened in my life that I credit GoBundance for. So I've partnered up and have done some, I have some businesses with them. So people get to know me through the podcast. When they know me and like me enough, they tend to join uh, uh, the Emerge, GoBundance Emerge community, which I own. So GoBundance Emerge is sort of the feeder program for future millionaires. We create whole life millionaires, I like to say, and people will join that. From there, I'm partnered with Quantum Capital. We invest in value-add, distressed, BC-class workforce housing, multifamily housing uh, in Denver, Austin, a little bit in LA. And that's kind of the funnel of my business, if you will, or all of my businesses in one funnel. And that's, I think, the nutshell of it. In the context of masculinity, though, and the context of being a father, it's like you said, Mm -hmm. though, like, what do I model for my kids? You know, John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Robert Kennedy went out and said what they believed. They died because people didn't agree with them. Like that is, in some ways, the pinnacle of masculinity, of of being a strong father figure. It's tragic. But Martin Luther King, right? It's tragic. But these are men. I mean, those are. Yeah, you know, like their, sure. their lineage, their lineage understands the sacrifice and how strong of men they were. You could see it. There's how many, how many of the King lineage do you see on news channels that still carry his message mm-hmm. from the decades ago, right? That's how strong a movement he created as a man. It got him killed. But how do we not represent our positions? And for what? Adam, look, you are already canceled. By a portion of the population. Yeah. You're already canceled. So the fear of the rest of the population canceling you, it's it's ridiculous. We're all already canceled by somebody. So mm-hmm. may as well lean into what you so want and who well you are me. as opposed to Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And it yeah. represents and the right version of you for your kids. Yeah. And 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 honestly, the right version of me for me, right? Because I mean it it, it doesn't help. To keep your mouth shut, I kept my mouth shut on the military side for a long time too, and it, it didn't help anything. And finally, I, yeah. I was true to myself, so I opened my mouth to my my leadership and saying what needed to be said. And you know, I, I didn't stick around long enough to find out whether or not it made a difference. But at the same point, it made me feel better because at least I was, you know, 
saying what I thought was going to make things better for for my for my troops, for people around me, for those who come after me, like all the stuff. Like it doesn't, you know, it's helping nobody to keep your mouth shut. Um, but it also helps nobody to shut other people out of what they want to say, right? So the conversation needs to happen. I mean, I mean, even if I, which I don't, disagreed with you on this stuff, I would be willing to bet you would be willing to hear the conversation from the other side and have a sure. debate and go back and forth and not like, you know, complete, like the whole portion of like the, the, the whole cancel thing boggles my mind to begin with. Like you're already saying, like what that is kind of saying is I have, I don't have the ability to fight you or back this up with facts. So I'm just going to cancel you. I'm going to shut yeah, you yeah, up yeah. because I don't have the articulation yeah. to be able to explain my side anyway. So you just don't even deserve to be on, on, on a platform. You don't deserve to be listened to. You don't, it just, no, like there's so a conversation it, and healthy debate. And- yeah. It, but it permeates. So I, I think, I think cancel yeah. started around the woke, the woke movement, right? So woke people mm-hmm. wanted to, wanted to drown out all the voices that they, that they didn't agree with because they need to be, it's a kind of the irony of like, you need to be tolerant like me. Like, okay, well, that, don't, you mm-hmm. don't hear it, I guess, but whatever. But then unfortunately, the other side of wokeism wants to then cancel like you're seeing it now with bud light right like i'll be honest my position is that i don't want to buy bud light either because of what you know it wasn't even it, and again it wasn't even nec- i'm not a beer drinker i don't i don't like beer but it wasn't even about sending a can to the 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 person i forget the the name but dylan Mulvaney. dylan there you go wasn't about the can it was the marketing exec coming out and saying after that well, look, all these frat boy, whatever, like essentially saying all of you that have made this company what it is, mm-hmm. we don't want you. That's the yeah. backlash. That's the backlash. But there is something in me that says, well, look, I'm not a cancel culture guy. I don't believe in it. Are we doing that on the other side of it? But if I'm being completely honest, I agree with it. I agree with like, and you know what? Actually, as I say, talk through it, like it's not cancel. It's not saying they can't exist. It's just that you're not going to get my money. That's mm-hmm. all. Like you exist. Go ahead. Exist for who you want to exist for. You're just not going to get my money. So there you go. I worked my way through it. Yeah. And, and to me, that's, that's free market capitalism, right? Um, 100%. Not, not the crony capitalism garbage that we tend to see a lot more now, right? But free market capitalism, like if, you, if somebody doesn't agree with what you're doing or they don't like the flavor of your meal, then they're not going to shop there. They're not going to buy stuff from there, right? Um, it's one of the reasons that I don't have anything Disney, right? I, I don't like that they openly said they want to put things in front of my children that I I would prefer to have conversations yeah. with them about rather than them have conversations about, you know, and sensitizing them in a way that they think is the right way to go. What was it's, the movie that just came out? There was a movie that just came out with uh, with pronouns, they, them pronouns, and it tanked. Yeah, it tanked. got like 20 yeah. million. It was like, yeah. you know, like, which is a lot of money, but not compared to the not production to what of a they Disney usually movie. do, yeah. Right, yeah, I don't right, remember right. the name of it, but yeah, it's it, it's it's one of those that um, I also am, am not a fan of somebody saying that, uh, um, like, I get the concept of it takes a village, but you're not going to tell me that my kids are anybody but mine. Like, the vi- exactly. I create the village around my kids. Like, you don't yep. create the village around my kids. I, it may take a village, but it's yep. my village. Not you know, it, it doesn't mean that's the village I live in. It's the village I decide to put my kids in. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, exactly. You know, and That's it's a great it's, point. Yeah. Uh, it's not equal rights belongs. to my kids. Yeah. Yes. It's not equal rights Correct. to my kids upbringing. Yep. Exactly. It's like, I've decided yeah. you teacher can have access to my child for their education. That's the village, not for yeah. your activism, but for education. And I've mm-hmm. decided that I'm going to live here because this police department, or I'm going to bring my kids to this karate studio, right? Like that's my village. I created the village around me, but yeah. I, I've assigned roles 
to each of these folks to outsource a skill or something for my kids to benefit from. It ain't, hey, just like your parents, I can say what I want to you and I can make you believe what I want. Yeah. Like the, the idea of uh, these, these laws trying to be passed about, you don't have to tell your parents if you have a gender identity issue and you're nine. And the teacher, yeah. the teacher holds the right to say, ooh, I, I can't say anything out of privacy. Are you crazy? Mm-hmm. That's my kid. But yet you have to what? ask my permission to take my kid to the zoo, right? Like, <laughs> you have to ask my permission to take them to the zoo, but you have no but problem being able to hide, hide right, stats. Right. Right. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll bring it. It just boggles my mind. No, it's my kid. But all of this Sorry. stuff, like, I, know, I feel like we're like on a, you and me are just chatting tangent, like when we met on the flight to, out of Detroit that time, randomly, same seat, same <laughs> yeah. row, right? It's like right row next two, to each other, yeah. Same flight, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> but, um, but I really think, I, I think, you know, you said before, like, hey, dads are listening to this and maybe their kids are listening to this. And I think about that as I'm talking yeah. to you about all of this, like, what does all this have to do with anything? The person listening to this could be like, son, this guy is a transphobe and I'm perfectly fine with that. If somebody says that, mm-hmm. son, this man yeah. is toxic in his masculinity. Fine. That's your prerogative. As a parent, teach your kid what you want to teach them. But that's the point. Represent your voice. That's what a strong father yeah. is. It, this is my voice. This is what I believe. Now, again, Hitler believed things, right? So, I mean, there's, there's bad beliefs that we, we yeah. all agree are probably not the right beliefs. But let's not, let's not get lost in the one of one of one percent, right? Like, yeah. j- by and large... The majority of us have beliefs that are just, you know, within the realm of reasonable, but just different, different sides of whatever fence that mm-hmm. we might be on. But standing up for them, like this is a 44 year old now finally saying that I'm willing to. And, you know, look, I was a corporate guy. You were a military guy. So being public about certain beliefs yeah. that my, my life, my well being could be impacted by, you know, I, I guarded it. Right. But part of not having. A corporation behind me, part of being on my own, I can express myself the way I want to express myself. Like, why the heck yeah. wouldn't I? Dude, look, I had a guy on the podcast that I had no idea where it was going to go. He was referred to me. It was a live episode, two hours long. His name is Andrew Kibbe. He's from Kenya. And he came on and we were going to talk about masculinity. I'm like, oh, great topic. He went down mm-hmm. this rabbit hole, man, of like, women don't belong in leadership. I'm like, anywhere? He's like, nowhere. And he's saying how black people are cursed. He's black very black, dark black, right? Like black people are cursed, like things I don't agree with. And I didn't put the episode up for three months for fear of Mm -hmm. being canceled. But finally I put it up, I put disclaimers on it, all that stuff. And dude, it's one of the most, I had 200,000 people watch that episode. 200,000 people watched it. And if you go through the comments, there is civil discourse, discourse going on between people. You know, he's got some mm-hmm. solid points. I think he goes a little too far here. You know, I get what he's saying here. Some people are like, wow, this guy's way too out there. He needs, he needs to be checked. And then people kind of come back. It's, it's not like 100% on, on the level. Of course. I admire the guy for standing up and saying what he believes. I agree mm-hmm. with some of the principles that masculinity isn't toxic and it's okay to be truly feminine, which might mean that being a mom is what you are. That's what you do. That, that's feminine. That's okay. Yeah. You can... You can rain make anytime you want in your life, but I don't agree with black people are cursed. I don't agree with women don't belong in leadership. That, that, that's just, that's, yeah. that's way yeah. too far for me. Right. But yeah. to put the conversation out there and let others decide, like it was, it was really, really interesting to see that happen. Like, wow, there's a lot of people that really, really wanted to see what this is all about. And it's just another step of, you know what? Stand up for what you believe in. This guy's on the extreme side. He's not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going out there and, and, you know, doing anything to women. It's just his beliefs. We had a discussion yeah. about it and it is what it is. But standing up for and yourself and what you believe in, man, that's, that's, 
That's being a dad. That's being a man. I have a, uh, a fellow uh, veteran, um, father, uh, real estate investor, uh, you know, business, uh, business minded guy. I'm really looking forward to getting to know Stu a little bit better. Um, but uh, we got Stu Grazier on the podcast. Uh, Stu, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little about your family, a little bit about your business, and then we'll kind of go from there. Stu Grazier, uh, I am a, a husband uh, to my beautiful bride, uh, Crystal. We've been married. Uh, August will be our 15th year anniversary. Um, and then I, we have two amazing children, uh, eight-year-old daughter. Her name is Collins and a five-year-old son. His name is Wells. Or if you ask him, it's, he's five and a half. You got to make sure that the <laughs> half course. is yeah, in that, there. It's, it needs to be there. And, uh, you know, I've dedicated my life to, to really, um, you know, being the best husband, the best father, um, and just the best leader that I could possibly be in the community. I'm a veteran. I, I retired from the uh, the Navy after 20 years of service uh, last June of uh, 22. Congrats. Thanks, man. So I flew uh, helicopters for about 10 years, and then I transitioned and uh, flew uh, C-40s or like a Boeing 737 uh, as well. And then lastly, like you said, real estate investor, uh, own uh, multiple businesses. Uh, started doing investing when I was uh, right out of college in, my, in flight school. Uh, in Pensacola, I started investing in real estate, and uh, I've tried about every asset, every niche, every strategy uh, that I could possibly do. Uh, I've failed a lot. Uh, I've learned a lot, um, but somewhere along those lines, I've, I've found some success in a few things too. We've we've been uh, pretty intentional about that. Um, kind of av- after kind of going through that aha moment of of uh, reflection, you know, we. Uh, I try to, um, I think it was in another book or podcast I listened to, um, uh, it's a book I'm blanking on it now, but it'll come to me, but it talks about, um, you know, creating, uh, basically digital minimalism and, um, you know, doing an hour of, of no devices a, a day. Uh, a day a week and a week a year. And so that, that can become a goal of ours. So like for me, same thing, like dinner time, everything goes away. Like, you know, phones, iPads, computers, none of that stuff comes to the table. And we intentionally sit down for dinner as a family and spend an hour of of talking and and hanging out and, you know, not being in front of a phone. Yeah. Uh, We started doing Sabbaths on the weekends. Um, Sundays, you know, become our Sabbath day. Uh, Same thing. It's 24 hour digital detox. Like we're not on computers. We're not on phones. We're not on TVs. Uh, We're reading books. We're hanging out. We're going and doing hikes, you know, out in Colorado. We're, We're going and doing, you know, just just hanging and enjoying what god provided for us uh and then uh, i haven't done it this year but uh it's coming up in july we we'd go uh and, and i'm gonna plan on doing a, a week of again like just a digital detox no nice. no work no computers no phones no nothing um and just shut it down and um what i've found is man it's just like an amazing reset even just that hour of not even being on it and mm-hmm. and what it, what i think it's doing um is um it's modeling what what success looks like for our kids you know again like if my kids just see me on my phone all day long um they're gonna do the same thing yeah and um you know so it's it's uh you know it's it's good to do that kind of stuff um, to be present as as a dad um without the phone or computer in front of your face yeah so there's a guy let's do dave rubin that um he uh every month or every year he spends a month off offline like doesn't like no computer no nothing he's got one cell phone that is like a burner cell phone that people have just in case there's an emergency like they can call him but um 
I couldn't imagine doing a month, but you mentioned doing a week. Is this how many years have you done that, or how many times have you done that one week detox? And kind of walk me through what yeah. that actually looks like. I haven't, I haven't done the week yet. Shocking to me. Okay, so this is going to be the first one. This is going to be the first one. Oh, yeah, this right. is be the first yeah. one. Yeah, we're doing What's it. In, uh, let's, let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're so we're going to uh, we're going to Mexico uh, end of July, and um, you know, I, I'll probably bring the computer, but but it's going to stay in my backpack. Um, you know, um, and uh, the phone basically is just plans on being on silent mode um and you know only a few people are gonna um have access to really calling like my mom my mm-hmm. dad and my wife's gonna be with me so really just my mom and my dad um you know i'll, I'll look at it probably once once a day just to see if either of those two people have have called or um texted and besides that man just it's it's shutdown mode uh we're just gonna be you know be on the beach and going on adventures with uh with the family that sounds awesome yeah i i uh i would love to challenge myself to do something like that that's uh yeah that's a tough Shit. one to to think through just well, but and, you know you gotta put you definitely gotta put some systems in place you know you yeah, gotta put sure. you know you gotta make sure that the right people know you know if you mm-hmm. own property you know you know property management needs to know your business partners need to know your family other family members need to know um but i mean it's a week like yeah. Even you know, I don't I don't know what the worst case scenario is for your business, but like, I mean, we had a house burned down. We had a we had a rental property burned down. We didn't even know about it for like a week and a half uh, after after. Um, and you know, same thing is going to happen on day one of knowing there's a fire versus mm-hmm. a week after there being a fire. Um, so you know, I, I think you know depending on your business partners and your, your family, you can probably go a week without responding. Yeah. And that's, that's back to that. Like we are so used to immediate gratification. Like if I'm sending a text, I want to text back immediately. If I send an yeah. email, I want to, and, and I feel the same way. Like I need to get back to that person. Mm-hmm. You don't <laughs> I mean, you think about our parents. Like they didn't have all this technology yeah. and they got along when their business is just fine. Yeah. Even when we grew up, we didn't have this technology, right? I mean, it was yeah. still, yeah, still calling the movie theater and pressing one to hear what uh, what what uh, movies are going to be playing that night, you know, right. on a phone that's attached to the wall. So yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, it's uh, as you're talking, the more I'm like, man, that totally is is feasible. It's just a you know, again, having the systems in place to be able to do it and and show your family that it, that that's what they mean to you is is you you can do this. And you know, like, yeah. what example am I setting if I'm again? putting the phone in front of them, you know, um, yeah. and, and setting expectations for others too. Like, there's another guy, he's a realtor actually here in Colorado. Um, and, uh, he has on his email, like his email signature line basically says, I check email and respond once a day at 4 PM mountain time. If you don't hear from me within those hours, Wait until the next day. Wait until the next day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, 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 in kinder, you know, better words, yeah. but um, but essentially, like, hey, man, I have a window where I'm going to check email, and you're not going to hear from me in, until I until I do that. So mm. just setting that expectation, right? Like, you can do an out of office reply. You can leave a, a message on your voicemail that says, "Hey, I'm on vacation. I'll get back to you next week." Like, you know, I think if you just set those expectations and um, ensure your systems and processes are in place, I think. Uh, your family will thank you. I promise you. Like they are, there was another um, uh, social post or something 
that uh, I saw. I ended up resending it out on, on mine that um, there's, it was like basically a circle chart and it said people that will thank you for staying late at work. And it was like 99% not, no, it was, what was it? It was people that will remember you for staying mm-hmm. late at work and 99% had family. And then the other 1% was everybody else. We do the same thing for when we're kids. Like what, what do we see our parents do? Well, that's what we do, what we do until we start breaking it down. You know, I, I, I've mentioned it a bunch of times on the, on the podcast, but like I was paycheck to paycheck back when I was an illicit guy. Um, it, it didn't change until like I was in college and I got married to my wife when I was in college. Um, after I got out and I, she had this magical thing called a savings account. And I said, the What's world that? do you have that for? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. And, uh, um, but looking back on it, I mean, that's just, that's what I always saw when I grew up. That's what I saw um, all of my other former Alyssa folks do. Like, that's just, that's what we did, you know? And um, uh, so until you break that down and try to realize, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? And is there a better way to do this? You know, that should be a constant refresh. Like, that should be part of your your monthly and quarterly, you know, planning session is, okay, what am I doing now? Is it still working? Why am I doing it? And should I still be doing it? Um, my wife tells a story. Um, uh, that she was told by her her grandma or something that you know uh the this this woman was was cutting or setting, making a ham for christmas she cuts the two ends of the ham off puts it in the pan throws it in and the husband's like why do you always cut the two ends of the pan or the ham off i don't i don't understand she's like i don't know that's what my mom always did so I, you know let me call her up so calls up mom i don't know that's what my mom always did so they call up grandma and grandma's like oh because the ham was always too big to fit in the pan so i just cut the two ends and like <laughs> yeah okay so all these years you've just been cutting the ends of the ham off because it didn't fit in the pan 40 years ago but we have a new pan it fits in the pan don't do it you know so reassessing yeah. what we're doing on a regular basis should be a, a continual thing have you read uh, the book the family board meeting yes that was yes. a pretty impactful book for me too um we started implementing you know quarterly family board meetings with our with our two kids and um that's that same idea it's four mm-hmm. hours right you schedule it once a quarter you do a basically a date a date with your kid one-on-one no no devices no phones yeah. um only way only reason you can have a phone is just to take a picture for a memory uh, but you ask your kid what they want to do for four hours and include include a meal on that and mm-hmm. you just be present man you go and have fun and do whatever your kid wants to do you go have a meal and you talk and you ask questions and you know as i'm doing that with my eight-year-old and my five-year-old you know the questions and the conversations are pretty simple mm-hmm. but just think if, if i'm doing that every single quarter yeah. how much you know trust are they going to put in me and having those deep conversations when it gets to 14 15 16 yeah. 17 18 sure. those conversations matter a whole lot more yeah um and yeah, it's just once I, a quarter for four hours i put it in like my you, calendar and i failed miserably at doing it miserably because like yeah. you said that's once a quarter right it's not that difficult um yeah. but i failed miserably at accomplishing the task and i, I need to go back and listen to the book again just because and that one the subtitle talks about uh, 18 summers right isn't yeah, that 18 the, summers the right so i mean you only have 18 summers with your kids you know, my, my kids started school early, so I only have 17 summers with my oldest. Right. Um, yeah. And it's like a, a constant reminder. And it's one of the reasons I've actually thought about doing, I'm, I'm probably this close to actually doing, uh, uh, homeschool. Um, mm. cause I want to spend a little bit more quality time with them. And, you know, uh, my, my oldest was in kindergarten when, when COVID kicked off. Um, so 
when I told him about homeschool, like I was thinking about doing homeschool now, it's like, just imagine, you know, like daddy loves to travel and I could take you guys with me if we do homeschool, like well, yeah. on the trips that I do, whether a business trip, whether a personal trip, whatever, I, I could take you guys with me. Um, and the money I save, because they both go to private school, the money I save could go towards those trips that you go with me yeah, and right. extra trips and all the stuff, right? So, um, uh, but he remembers COVID of watching videos and he was like, daddy, I like, if I do homeschool, am I going to like have to watch all these videos again for school because that's what we had to do at the beginning they gave us all of these recorded videos to be able to watch all the stuff and he's staring at a computer screen for four or five hours a day I, I can't, in kindergarten um yeah. for four hours a day I'm, like i'm trying to train my kid not to be obsessed with screens and you're forcing me to put him in front of screens right yeah, and i was right. like no buddy was, uh, he's like well who'd be my teacher i said i'd be your teacher like i'd be your teacher every morning he's like Oh, I could totally do that, Daddy. Yeah, that I could do that. You could be my teacher, you know. So, like, what a different world. Like, he was like, I was, yes, that's more time with my dad, you know. And I, I could, yeah, Dad. Um, it scares the heck out of me because I'm thinking to myself, well, me be a teacher. <laughs> I'm already smoked, right? But again, what a blessing. I'm in a position where I can, and yeah. I'd love to be able to bring my kids around everywhere I go, like, um, and be able to impact everything that they think about, right? I could add business classes to their to their uh, school structure, like. Um, Sky Zone could become gym class, right? It doesn't have to be like going to the golf course could become gym class. Yeah, take the boys out golfing and like what a what a life changing experience I think that that would be. So I'm this close to pulling the trigger. I've got a meeting on Wednesday with somebody to kind of go over some stuff, but nice. um, yeah, I want that time with the family. I want that impact. I want to be able to lead my family well um, and know that like they're the priority. It doesn't matter, again, how successful I am, how many more businesses I run, how many more properties I buy. It doesn't matter any of that stuff if I don't have a relationship with my family. So, That's right. Uh, 100%, uh, man. I also, I also fear that uh, being the homeschool teacher will ruin my relationship with my family. Because <laughs> so, uh, like, I struggle with homework. So I'm like, boy, if I have a hard time with homework, like, how am I going to do the whole, all of the schoolwork? This is going to be an interesting time, right? So, Yeah. Um, well, you know, maybe there's... Um Maybe there's a combination that you could, you know, you could do. I know there, there are different types of schools and stuff out there where mm -hmm. you, know, you can do it a couple times a week or there, and there's co-ops where you can kind of yeah. um, do it as a group or, um, you know, have somebody else teach. I'm sure there's some creative ways that you can do it as well, where it's just not all on you. Yeah. And that's what I thought about doing is finding, uh, you know, one of the guys I, I interviewed or talked to was um, saying that they, they hired a, excuse me, a retired teacher, um, uh, who just wanted to kind of have something else to do. They paid, they paid her 20 bucks an hour to uh, basically come over and be the teacher. Like, so they, she'd come to the house and be the teacher. And it was uh, roughly the same cost as, you know, going to a private school anyways, you know? So, right. um, uh, you know, three hours a day, a, a tutor would come over 20 bucks an hour and just lead, lead the, the instruction. And to me that, I mean, that's a solid option um, uh, to be able to just go, Hey, let's, let me let me be a part of this one. Let me you know, I I love math, so let me let me teach math. Let me do that part and let the teacher do the do the part that I'm not so good at. I'll do math and science. You do English and reading. I'm not that's not not my like, not my strong suit. I listen to books at three x. I don't read books at three x. So yeah. <laughs> well, uh, even and even even if you don't like, even if you don't, let's say you choose not to do the homeschooling route. Um, you know, as a as a dad. Uh, you know, we can still be really intentional about putting the time in to be the teacher, you know, to be mm -hmm. the role model, to be the one that's 
that's leading your family through uh, making sure they know like you know values and yeah. um, teaching them the stuff that they're not going to get in school because there's a lot of stuff that you want to make sure that they know and learn that they don't get in school. For sure. Um, I, I read uh, The Intentional Father. Have you read that book uh, mm, by John Tyson? Um, he, he takes his kid, he talks about kid, taking his kid through a journey, um, starting basically a journey from boyhood to manhood. You know, how many, how many, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know. Do, do you know, like when you officially became a man or not? Nope. Like, what, what day, what age, like, did you become a man? Like, the, uh, American society doesn't have that, right? And yeah. there's a lot of other cultures, a lot of other societies that do. So he talks about like taking your son um, through a, a journey to become a man. And there's like a day and time where like he becomes a, from a boy to a man. And it's like a five-year journey. He starts at age 13 and he talks about that through his book. And it was a daily thing, man. Like he would he would get up early in the morning and he would go through Bible verses and he would talk about values and he would talk about lessons learned and like all of these things that they're not going to learn in school. And like weekends, they would go do trips and they would go do, you know, hard hikes and, you know, go, you know, do just, they would, he would teach him all the things that he wants his son to know and learn to when that day comes. And they have like a ritual, like he, he talks about like they went to some lake and he runs out into the water um, and he comes back and they do like a, almost like a night dubbing ceremony where like he becomes a man because mm -hmm. he, you know, passed the test of all of all these like hard things that he did for the last five years. It's a really cool idea and a really cool thought. And, you know, my kid's not there yet, but yeah. when he is, I, I plan on kind of doing something similar to that. Um, and, you know, it's just being intentional, man. It's just, you know, as a dad, you know, we, you get, you get so busy with life and running businesses and, mm -hmm. but you have to be intentional with that. And, you have to balance that in. Um, I had an so image I, of like an Eagle Scout as you were saying that, right? Like yeah. you're going through all the stuff as a Boy Scout and you're all the Eagle Scouts I know, they remember when they became an Eagle Scout, right? Because that was yeah. a, it was a journey that they went down. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I appreciate that, that thought process. I'll have to, I'll, I'll try to listen to that one on one X instead of three X and there see, you go. see what I could do. I like but, it, man. You said, how old's your boy? He, you said he was eight and a half. Eight. Yeah, eight and yeah. a half. Yeah, eight and a half. You got to get the half. In yes, there. the half. I forgot it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you have you have some time too, but yeah, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to start now with boyhood to manhood. You know, and you know, we started trying to do like family meetings. We have a mm -hmm. once a week family meeting on Sundays um, where uh, you know we we talk about um, a value. You know, we talk about uh, honesty or love or like whatever the value is, and we we hit on it for a week at a time. Right, we go for for a month at a time, and we talk about you know examples of how how'd you show love this week, mm -hmm. and we talk about it with a family, and then uh, we we vote on who gets like the the love uh, award for for the week. And my wife makes a little she makes it like a little love like piece, she just takes takes a piece of paper and like mm -hmm. draws a heart on it and says love, and it's the award for the week, right? And they awesome. get like a, a a sucker or something like that, or an ice cream or something, but like we all vote on who gets the love award for the week. And so like just something like that, right. It's, it's an, yeah. an hour on a Sunday where you have a family meeting and you're just talking about a value. Um, and you know, just being intentional about you know, be, again, being present, man. So, uh, AJ, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us about, uh, your family, um, and your business, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. So I'm, a uh... 
38-year-old young man from northern Wisconsin, uh, currently living in Nashville, Tennessee, with uh, my wife of uh, seven years, I think, this this September. <laughs> Hopefully she's not uh, listening and going, yeah. yeah. well, I met her 10 years ago. It's our 10-year anniversary meeting. Uh, we have a uh, year-and-a-half-year-old daughter, a uh, year-and-a-half year and a half old. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, uh, who we, we lived in LA for 10 years and she was born in LA and then we moved to Nashville and um, living happily in Nashville, a uh, beautiful area. Um, I started, I worked in the automotive industry pretty much my, my whole career, um, starting with an energy drink from Coca, that Coca-Cola owned, um, running the marketing in the Midwest to managing race car drivers to working for large wheel corporations or owned by private equity. Um, and in 2017, I believe it was, I found myself at a PR agency in LA, uh, helping them build out their digital business unit. Basically, how can we, you know, leverage, um, new, uh, capabilities to get additional funds out of clients. Uh, digital advertising and whatnot. So I built that for a year. And at the end of the year, some other things happened. 2018, I started Wild Lives Media. Today, we have between a team in the US and a team in Canada, we have about 14, 15 employees, 26, 27 clients or so. Um, We'll do about a million and a half this year in revenue uh, for ourselves. And probably 30 to 40 million for clients anyways, client revenue. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride for sure. Most of the growth came in November, December, January of this last year, 22 to 23 things just really exploded. Tell me kind of, you know, looking at the business and looking at being a dad, like how do you correlate the two? If you do correlate the two at all, like, have you, have you noticed things that you're doing inside your business that you're like, boy, this, you know, it really correlates to changing diapers or, you know, maybe changing diapers really correlates to doing something in your business. Like, have you made any of those connections at all yet? You know, I think um, probably the biggest thing just off the top of my head would be um, allowing a certain level of autonomy of failure, right? Mm-hmm. Like giving them proverbial rope or whatever, right? Yep. So <laughs> with my child, I have to stop myself from like trying to like hover and be like, no, 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 do this, do this, do this. <laughs> you know? So it's similar to the, to the business is I, you know, I, I like to hire and put aces in their places is, is what, you know, I like to have very specific specialists for very specific things. And, um, with that, it's, it's been a learning process to like, just let them do their thing. Right. And, you know, I very much so believe in performance objectives and checking in and, and reviews and whatnot. Um, and like performance improvement plans when necessary. But um, really it is letting them perform at the mm-hmm. level that the expectation they know to, to perform same with the child. Like hopefully you know, I need to let her find her, her faults and tumbles and whatnot to be able to grow. And that same, yeah. same with the employees. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The, uh, and that's very difficult as a as a parent to, especially when you like the literal falls, right? Where you have to literally let them fall totally. and go, go through things. And I mean, there's obviously times you have to jump in. If your kid's putting their hand on flame, right? Yeah, like let's let's not <laughs> let's not permanent yeah. let's not let permanent damage happen, right? But you know the oh. uh, you know you obviously <clears throat> growing up doing uh, various different BMX sports and stuff like that, you're never going to get good at doing some of those tricks and the things that you want to do without falling, without you know that broken totally. wrist, without those injuries, and 
It's the same thing with a kid even learning to walk. They're not going to learn to walk without falling and skinning their knee and maybe bumping their lip and getting fat lip. Like you just got to let them do these things and, and grow through it. Um, if we put our kid in a bubble, it's not going to be, it's not going to be beneficial. Right. And the same thing, right. um, you know, with your employees, you got to let them, you got to give them the freedom to go and figure out how to do it. And if they make a mistake, that's fine. Let's talk about the mistake. And if we have to put in, like you said, a performance improvement plan, then, then we do that, you know? And, but yeah. For the most part, let, like I hired you for a reason. I've got you in the seat you're in for a reason. And if I if you're not in the seat for a reason, then I need to reassess why the heck you're my employee, anyways. You know, so totally. Uh, not that I can reassess why my kid's my kid. That's, that's I'm stuck with them for a long time. Right now. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think too, like that's something I pride myself in as a business owner, and just before that, even just to, as an employee, is like I like to move fast and learn from mistakes faster, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's necessary, especially in 2023. Like if you are moving too slow, you're going to get left behind. Oh, yeah. And that's always been my ethos too. So then that in an, an extra challenge has been like not block, like that's my ethos. And like, I want my staff to also feel that way. But I have found myself in the past, like kind of like wanting to like slow them down a little bit to make mm-hmm. sure that things are done right. So that's been a challenge for me as well as like letting them move fast and fail fast, you know, and have to, but very quickly fix those problems. And yeah. We learn from them and we move on. But um, the other thing is, you know, I just, I really do believe in like mistakes making you who you are, you know, um, for example, um, a few months ago, <laughs> actually he, if he listens to this, uh, fine. Um, my former boss at the last company I was at, basically uh, he also was let go with a whole slew of, of people and he started a few businesses one of which is an agency and he wanted to merge he wanted to merge our, our businesses you know i think he he's a very smart guy and he's got some successes as well but i think he saw our, my successes and how we complement each other he's very much like a account management business development talker mm-hmm. and we, we are more tactical um but my 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 reaction to him and still to this day is like I don't want to partner with someone who hasn't failed, like actually failed, like yeah. have to get rid of an office, fire two employees, go back to corporate America. Like that's failing, you know, um, him being let go. He was very high up at this company and had built it pretty much from nothing to what it was, but you ultimately were let go from your boss, from a board, right? That that's to me, not, not failing. So yeah. I had said to him, once you fail, and you recover, <laughs> come talk to me, you know, we can, we can figure it out from there. But I really do think that that makes you, that, that forges you, you know, forges yeah. your process, forges your, um, ego <laughs> for the most part. Um, and, and kind of defines who you are as a, as a person and a, as a business owner, as an operator, I should say. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that people are way too afraid of failure. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, my kids, even though I encourage them to fail, they still don't like it, which none of us do. None of us like failure, right? Yeah, um, of course. But, you know, it, 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 I often say uh, fail often, but fail forward, right? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I, I like, I at times it added the fail fast, and I, I appreciate you saying it because it reminded me that I used to say that, but fail fail often, fail fast, fail forward, right? Because if you yep. fail fast, you could fix your problem. Like if if it takes you seven years to fail, like, yeah. but, but you've been doing the wrong process the entire seven <clears> years. Like, boy, then you have to look back at those seven years and go, man, I wish I would have realized this, you know, six years ago instead of now. Um, you know, but if you can just uh, work through the process, push hard, fail, fail now. So you know that you need to fix it and then press forward. Um, 
but it's a, to me, it's a constant, you should be constantly looking anyways, but um, hopefully you can catch some of the stuff before you fail too awfully hard. But you're about to say yeah. something. What's well, and I think too, with that comes taking risks. You know, I yes. think that if you don't take risks, you won't know the limitations or alleged limitations on whatever it is you're doing, you know? And I think this actually reminds me. So my wife's from Miami. We're in Florida right now and mm-hmm. she's from Miami. And for about six months when my stepfather was pretty sick before he passed away, we went back and we spent some time in Wisconsin. My wife had never driven in snow. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if she wanted to go somewhere, you know, we had to talk about if it was snowing, how would she drive? So then one night I took her to a parking lot and, Something I had to explain to her is like growing up, we, or my, at least myself, if not all my friends and people in snow states, like you need to know the limitations yes. of braking, of accelerating, of a car, of snow. How far can you slide before you're going to be out of control? What to do with your hands on the wheel, you know? So you have to understand the limitations of your own and the vehicle's limitations and how they react together, or you're never going to be a good driver in those conditions, you know? And I think that it's the same thing here is like, until you take the risk and try and find out, you can control the environment for the most part, but you need to have that forethought and figure out what that mm-hmm. looks like. Like an empty parking lot at night, what does that look like in business? You have to take those risks to find out. You'll never know. You won't. And then you'll, you may wake up in seven years, like you said, and figure out you've been doing it wrong the whole time because you yeah. never took the day or, you know, year long risk to figure it out. Yeah. I love the, uh, the snow analogy. I had to write that down. I just, I grew up <laughs> when I, was learning to drive. I was in central New York, lots of snow. Oh, and yeah. you would go to those empty parking lots and you'd go and like, I would do everything from driving as fast as I could slam on the brakes. Let's see how they react. Hit the e-brake. Let me see what it's like when I go sideways. Granted, a lot of that was a lot of fun too. So of course, of I course to have yeah, fun. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. but when it came down to actually driving, I learned so much more about how this vehicle moves, you know, by, by putting yourself through those, through the wickets, you know, um, how have you, seen being able to do that in a business because I'm, I'm contemplating how i would i love the analogy but i'm trying to think through how that works inside <clears> of the business what what would you say you've done to kind of um, test the limits of your business or your skills in the business to see where where you would fail yeah i would say you know anywhere from taking a chance on you know an expensive employee because you believe in you know their capabilities even though they don't bring any money with them mm-hmm. um that's something that we're exploring right now um to maybe you know instead of uh, a retainer agreement with a client, you are doing like a partial retainer, but with some sort of license licensing agreement on the back end with some, you know, merch line that they're trying to come up with so that you're committing to be able to operate that to make the money off, off that. That's a big risk, especially, you know, for maybe an agency, not to say that we're doing that now, but it is on the table for a marketing agency to take a risk on making money on the back end from merch. Mm-hmm. That's a huge risk could be absolutely massive or it could be a failure and we have to reevaluate ever doing yeah. that again and losing much money, not only on the Delta on the client, but also probably the money that you put into that program. So little things like that, I think, um, I think taking a risk in this regard isn't always obvious. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's being creative. It's like, well, what if, Instead of this, we did this. Like, for example, that. Okay, well, you can't afford the $8,500 retainer. How about you pay 4000 a month and give us 99% licensing on you know, these five properties to do whatever we want with it? So just even being able to come up with that concept, uh, you, know, you have to be creative, but that's also a risk. So it's yeah. not always inherent. It's not always obvious. But risks exist. You just have to find them. And mm-hmm. chances are, if you're good at what you do, they can pay off. 
I'm, I'm looking at those as from a, from a dad perspective, one of those risks, by the time this comes out, I will have already made the decision, but um, I'm looking at doing homeschooling, right? Uh, which is a very odd, I would have never thought that I'd be looking at that, right? But my sons already go to private school, but now I've been looking at homeschooling. I love to travel. I love to go places. And yeah, the school system does not really allow that for nature. <laughs> and I also want to be able to impact my kids on a higher level. Uh, to me, it's a very large risk, right? Because I'm running a couple companies and I'm trying to figure out, like, do I have the time? Do I have the patience? Like, by the time my kids get home from school and I have to help with homework, I've already spent my whole, like, decision-making <laughs> for the day. Sure. Like, I'm, I'm spent by that point. So, I already don't have yeah. patience. So, I'm like, okay, well, how, do, how am I going to homeschool? Um, to me, it's a big risk, but I feel like the risk is going to pay off a lot if I'm able to, like, when I'm able to successfully accomplish this this task, right? So, um you know, and if if I if I fail, then you know, it, it's only my kids. No big deal, right? No, but uh, <laughs> but no. I mean, I I'm not going to know unless I take the risk. I'm not going to know whether or not yeah. it was a good idea. If not, like all the research that I'm doing tells me that it should be, and um, you know. But I think the same thing goes with the business. Like, do the research, know what it is you're getting into, come up with the right plans, put it in place. If yeah. it works, it works. If it doesn't, be smart to be able to take it and and jump on it, uh, jump on the the totally. change if you need to. So. Yeah, and I think too, like my how I view risks with fatherhood is probably a little bit smaller risk, but more of them. You know, like <clears throat> something so simple can change your kid's life. You know, like we're we're talking about going on vacation to Panama this year. My wife has some family down there, and they're Panama City, so it's like we're looking at what that's not far from here. It's a three-hour flight from mm-hmm. from Florida, basically, right? Um, so that's not really a risk, but it's like, when we get there, are we going to do like an overnight on a catamaran? Like things that are like, they're risky for us as parents. It's like, I don't yeah. I have no idea how, like how any of that stuff's going to go, but those are just t- small, smaller risks. But I think they add up to like completely changing a kid's life, you know, pot- yeah. in a, in a, for the better. Right. Thank you so much for listening to the biz dad podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.